0: I <laughs> do
1: 720 WGN, uh, live in the Skyline Studio, uh, 18 stories above, beautiful downtown Chicago, here till 4 o'clock on a uh, Wednesday night into Thursday. Um, uh, Coming up uh, in a little bit, our good friend Kevin Powell is going to join us. Um, He does sports on the Rokan Show every uh, weekday afternoon here on WGN. He joins us usually once a month uh, to talk all things sports. We're also going to talk about an elaborate pistachio scheme and 21 dumb schemes where people actually made money. Um, uh, Today in history is actually the first televised baseball game, so we're going to talk a little bit about that and some great sports moments in history as well and more. Uh, 312-981-7200 is the uh, phone number, and that's the Team Hochberg phone line, 312-981-7200. A quick update on my dad. He's still in the hospital. Um, I know that people were, you know, uh, asking me about it. Uh, my dad's still in the hospital. They are going to run more tests and the result of a second CAT scan. Um, uh, and he'll find out what's going on uh, tomorrow. But he's still there. Uh, and um, so we're we're hoping he gets to go home uh, sometime tomorrow after they get the results of the uh, of the second CAT scan they did on him. So um, he's just frustrated and he wants to get out of the hospital and go home but he's still there and um you know my mom's obviously upset and i'm you know it's been it's been a tense time so anyway thanks for the uh the thoughts and the and the concern and all that stuff over my dad hopefully he'll be home tomorrow and uh get better as soon as possible so anyway wanted to give you a quick update on that 312-981-7200 is the phone number okay my first guest is a regular guest on the show he's uh he's great um he uh, wrote for Mad Magazine. He wrote for uh, Match Game and other game shows as well. And he's the Gizwiz, and uh, he loves gizmos and gadgets. It's Dick DiBartolo, and he's uh, he's awesome. Hello, Dick. Hey, how you doing? Okay, how are you, sir?
2: Uh, I am doing uh, well too, thank you. Yes. A little annoyed that Tom said it's now fifty dollars for me to be on this show, but
1: <laughs> I don't know
2: how much longer I can do it.
1: Uh, Keeping busy, uh, Dick. People sending you gizmos and gadgets and things like that. Yes, yeah. Well, you know, it, it,
2: it, it's bizarre now because you know CES twenty twenty one is already canceled, right? Uh, and and every press event that I normally go to is. You know, being virtual events, right? And it, it's not the same because, you know, you could go to. There was just an event a couple of weeks ago called Sweet Sweet, where it's all new toys, and I could go there uh, with my spouse Dennis as cameraman and come away with a dozen videos from my Gizwiz show, and now you just see the toys. Uh, As someone demonstrates them in a room someplace, and you don't get to play with them. And uh, so it's a bit of a hassle. Yeah. And I don't know what CES uh, is going to be like because there are hundreds of thousands of gadgets there. Uh, We'll be online probably for most of January and February to to see everything. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, uh, but you do get things sent to you, uh, right, Dick? (laughs) Yes.
2: I, I I do I I I tell companies please not just to send stuff out of the blue. Uh I, you know my studio is is a single studio apartment and uh get, getting too much stuff that I can't use it 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 just is is a mess here. Yeah, and also, uh, everything I show on the air, especially ABC, I always call the manufacturer and say, "Listen, instead of returning this, I I do a lot of work with a, a little shelter, a, a no kill animal shelter, and I provide a great many of their prizes for auctions. Can I just give it to them?" Mm. And nine, uh, I think, a hundred percent of the time they say yes. Well, the problem is. The shelter doesn't have a truck to come in yet. And so I I now have six months of gadgets piling up that uh, I would have sent out to them because they're not having their live auctions either. Right. So, yeah. Uh, You know, it's a mess. Yeah. Hopefully thing and are you staying in mostly You're, yeah you oh, have no events to go to right? yeah
1: no 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 i mean the only time i ever really leave my apartment is when i come here to work and uh and that's pretty much it so wow. yeah spend a lot of time in, uh, at home i you know i was i was always a homebody anyway you know what i mean dick i never i didn't go out very much uh before all of this happened so it's not a huge change uh but uh you know there it is uh dick hang out, okay did you
2: ever do the show from home
1: no i always no, come oh, down okay. here yeah so dick okay. hang out, okay Yep, I right. will. Dick Di- Di Bartolo is here, uh, and he wrote for Mad Magazine, written for Mad Magazine, wrote for a bunch of game shows, and, including the classic uh, match game, and he's the gizwiz. He's into gizmos and gadgets, and he's been doing that for a while, and we'll tell you uh, the, about the website and where you can see uh, Dick on TV. Uh, demonstrating some of these really cool gadgets. And we've got a whole list of crazy uh, gadgets and gizmos that he's going to tell us about. Uh, and if you have a question or a comment, 312-981-7200. 312-981-7200. It's Nick degilio on WGN. Michael McDonald, man That's the doobies, though That's, uh, he, that's, yeah Okay, not Michael McDonald, solo Okay Uh, hello, it's Nick DeGilio on 720 WGN Live in the Skyline studio Here until, uh, 4 o'clock And, uh, It's, uh, gonna be a Thursday So, uh, stay with us uh, After midnight, Kevin Powell's gonna join us He covers sports here on WGN on the RoCon show And uh, we're going to talk all things sports coming up. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. My guest right now, though, is Dick DiBartolo. He is the GizWiz, and he's Mad's maddest writer. And uh, we welcome uh, Dick
3: back to the show. Hello, Dick. Hey, uh, I'm back uh, here, yeah.
2: and uh, happy to be here. Yeah.
1: Okay. Uh, before we get to some of the gizmos, um, for people who might not have heard the story about how you actually began writing for MAD, it's really one of my favorites. Um, can you tell that story again, how you got started uh, with MAD, yeah, MAD yeah. Magazine? I,
2: I, I, yeah, I was reading MAD in high school, and, and after about six or seven issues, I thought, I like reading this, but I also want to write this stuff. So uh, I bought a book called Writer's Yearbook, Uh, because I'd never submitted anything. And uh, it said some magazines will only take stuff through an agent, and some magazines will accept it from anybody. So I quickly looked up Mad Magazine, and Mad Magazine said, yes, we read all uh, submissions, but you have to send a self-addressed stamped envelope. If not, Uh, They'll just trash your Submission if they don't want it So I I wrote a takeoff on uh, A TV ad And I sent it to them And about a month later My own envelope came back And I thought, oh, it's not a little envelope With a check Uh, But I opened the envelope And uh, I go to get out My rejected script And it's a piece of cardboard And scribbled on the cardboard It says, ha 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 Thought this was your script being returned. Guess what? We bought it. Stapled to this cardboard is a check for 100 bucks. This is big money. This is back in like 65 or two, something in there. Yeah. Uh, and, and it said, please uh, call us because we uh, want to uh, have you do more work for MAD. And it was signed by Nick Meglin. And that started a 52 year career with MAD. Isn't that nice? So. Yeah. yeah,
1: you wrote some of yeah. my fa- you wrote some of my favorite parodies, uh, especially the movie uh, parodies uh, that you did. You wrote some of my favorite. What were some of the ones that uh, that you wrote? Uh, the poop side down adventure, right? Uh, the, the, uh, towering sterno,
2: <laughs> and and you know, Mad is publishing now, but it, it's all repeats. And the interesting thing is that uh, I get a. a Fair number of emails from subscribers. It's it's not on newsstands anymore either. Right. It's either comic book stores or subscribers. And I get a fair amount of emails from fans saying, "You know what? This is not this is not bad. I like that. I can read some things I read years ago and find new jokes I didn't understand when I was young, or you know, I totally missed that issue, and uh, I enjoy seeing." old material repeated like the issue that just came out is october and in that i have uh, teen rage moolah nitwit turtles Two. <laughs> uh, okay um and uh Ekman. you know mad always used the word Ek. yeah uh, so the takeoff on on x-men became Ekmen. Mm-hmm. uh so both those satires are in the current issue. Yeah, And, yeah, the, the towering up. But you know what? I'll tell you some funny titles I didn't write. Uh, one of my favorites was uh, Butch, Casualty, and Some Dunce Kid. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that great? Yeah. Uh, a, a title I did write that worked out great was a takeoff on, I don't know if you remember this TV show, Voyaged. To the bottom oh, of the sure. sea?
1: Yeah, 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 sure. Yeah,
2: okay, yeah. So I, I I worked out a great title, Voyage to See What's on the Bottom. <laughs> so it looks, just, it looks just like their title, and then when you really go, wait a minute, but it still makes sense.
1: Yeah. Voyage to See What's on the Bottom. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. Yeah, great. I mean, you know, I've I've talked to you before about this. I mean, you know, as a as a kid, Mad was everything. I mean, I I read Mad magazine constantly, and I had all the the paperbacks and all that stuff, like the Al Jaffe uh, stuff as well. Um, and it was just a big huge part of my huge part of my childhood, and I'll never you know I'll never forget it. And and in, in addition to that, um, uh, Dick, you also uh wrote for uh, Match Game, um, the classic Match Game, and like you created Dumdora. And uh, and some of the other uh, and some of the other classic uh, characters. Yeah,
2: yeah, Weird Willie, and, yeah. and that was a, 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 an outgrowth from Mad. You know, uh, uh, the the original match game was name a red flower, name something you do with an egg, name uh, something you serve on a roll, and it was a year contract. And ten months in, Goodson called me in and said, Mark Goodson, uh, Goodson's dalton Productions, said, yeah. "Listen, uh, the show just got canceled." Um, he said, I'm just giving you a heads up. If you want to start looking around, he said, you have two months of shows, but uh, that's going to be the end of it. And then I, so over the weekend I thought about it, and on Monday I said, hey, Mark, you know, I work for Mad. And he said, oh, yeah, I know. And I said, so I'm thinking, instead of name a red flower, how about John, uh, Mary liked to pour gravy on John's blank. <laughs> um, and he said, oh, he, he laughed, and he said, well, what will they say? I said, well, they'll laugh and then they'll say meatloaf, potatoes. Yeah. And he said, well, it's canceled. They can't cancel it twice. Do what you want. <laughs> uh, right. And it kept going on and on and on and kept getting renewed. So
1: yeah, no, so, I still watch it. I watch it every morning, uh, Dick. When I when I oh, get home, right. I watch it every um, morning. And. Uh, was uh, and Buzzer and, uh, you know, the Game Show Network shows it as Game well. Game Show Network, yeah. Yeah, and I, I love the classic. I just, I love it. Uh, you know, uh, all all the, uh, you know, all the great celebrities that were on it. Obviously, the three regulars with uh, Brett and, and Charles and uh, and Richard, they were good, classic. Good, yeah. But but some of the other semi-regulars, you know, you Betty White and Fanny Flagg and Marsha Wallace, um I mean, it, yes. just great stuff and really, really funny. And it still holds up. <laughs> I watch that show now. It still holds up, and, 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 and I just I think it's great. Yeah. No,
2: I, I, and Rayburn was super. Oh. I just love Rayburn. Yeah. yeah,
1: Gene Rayburn, great. Just one of the best game show hosts of all time, and he had so much yep. fun doing it, you know, and it got it got crazier and crazier with each year, you know. It just <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. and the funny
2: thing is when Rayburn would try and do jokes the first year, he would, Goodson would have a fit and he would, Rayburn would call me and say, Oh, so Goodson called me in again with his speech. This is a game show, not a comedy show. You yeah. should stick to But then when we started with the weird questions and the double entendres, yeah, then Goodson,
1: uh, just saw the way it was going. Yeah. And, and since the ratings were up there, he didn't care what Gene did. Right. Right. And it was hugely popular back in the 70s. I mean, it was. I remember rushing home from school to watch it every day. Yeah, absolutely. And, and then
2: CBS had this bizarre idea, and they moved it from 4 o'clock to 11 a.m., and right. it died. Yeah. Because you're right, the kids coming home from school were the biggest audience.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and it's it was. I mean, I watched it. I I look forward to it every day. I would rush home from school to watch it every single day, <laughs> and uh, and I and I just loved it. I especially now when I look back at it, you know, when I'm watching the the the, the reruns and the classic stuff on on Buzzard and the Game Show Network, the 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 byplay between uh, Brett Summers and Charles Nelson Riley is just priceless. They, they were just so funny and wonderful together, you know. Yes, yes, that they didn't get on each other's nerves, but the way Charles Nelson Reilly, I
2: think, uh, I don't think he called her Brett once during the <laughs> time. He would just say, "Elaine, what do you have for your answer?" So he would just, it was, yeah, it was just fun. I yeah. just loved it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, it was just you know the first time I had you on the show, Dick. I was just so excited because <laughs> Mad, Match Game and Mad Magazine were huge parts of my childhood, and you were a major component oh. in that. Well, well, thank you. And, and you know who I spoke to last week? Al Jaffe. Oh, yeah. How's he doing? He's like, well, how old is he Al, now?
2: Al Jaffe retired with the issue that's just going off uh, sale now, the all Al Jaffe issue. Yeah. He's 99.
1: 99. That's amazing. Good for him. How's he yeah. doing? He's
2: doing okay. Yeah. He's doing okay. Yeah. yeah. No, he, he... I always... I always end the conversation with Jeff you are my hero.
1: Yeah. God, it's that's that, that's amazing. 99 years old and he did so that, many he did so many great things with Mad. I mean just so funny.
2: Yes, stupid answers. Yeah. Er, uh, snappy answers. A, to stupid to stupid questions, questions
1: it, yeah.
2: That first book sold a million and a half
1: copies. I bought one of them. <laughs> yeah i'm one I of them all right all right dick we got to get to uh we people can check out uh how, how can people see the uh, gizmos that you do we're going to talk about some uh,
2: oh okay so, so i have two websites uh gizmos.biz is where there are five new gadgets every week or yeah. actually four gadgets and one old gadget and gizmos.tv is where you can see the um uh, it runs forty-five minutes to an hour every week, which I do with uh, OMG Chad Johnson. Yeah, and, and that's a, a lighthearted show talking about gadgets, mostly kind of offbeat gadgets. Right.
1: Okay. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about it. We've, we 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 sent a, You sent over a list of some of the gizmos and gadgets that we're going to talk about. Dick, hang on, okay? Yep. The great Dick Di Bartolo is with us. Wrote for uh, Mad Magazine. Wrote for Match Game, and he is the Gizwiz. And we got some gizmos and gadgets to talk about, and we'll do that after uh, the news. Hello, Nick DiGilio here on 720 WGN. Live in the Skyline studio, 18 uh, stories above beautiful downtown Chicago. We're here till 4 o'clock. Coming up after midnight, Kevin Powell is going to join us. He covers sports right here on WGN on the Rocon Show every weekday afternoon. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. Dick DiBartolo is my guest. He's the Gizwiz, wrote for Mad Magazine and Match Game. And uh, loves gadgets and loves gizmos. And if you have a question or a comment, 312-981-7200. Hi, Dick. Yes, sir. All right. Let's talk about some of the uh, gadgets and gizmos that uh, you've been uh, playing around with and reviewing. The Yinkai Cyber Celebrity Collapsing Stool. That's a mouthful.
3: Yeah, this
2: thing is really neat. So. Uh, uh, if you're an older person, you'll remember the Kodak Carousel slide trays. It was a round plastic tray. So this is a round plastic uh, canister. It's about 10 inches across and maybe three inches thick. And it has a shoulder strap and a handle. But Each side of this canister has a hole, so you put your fingers in each side, and you pull on it. It's almost like an accordion. It expands, and when it's fully open, you twist one side or the other, which locks it, and you now have an 18-inch high stool to sit on. Wow. So... This is, and it, it weighs, I put it on my little poster scale, I think it was uh, 2.11, uh, two point eleven 2 pounds 11 ounces. So these days with lines everywhere and uh, staying six feet apart, this is wonderful. <clears throat> if you're an older person and you know the, it's going to be 40 minutes before you get inside a store or the post office, this is an easy way to carry this and have a stool, and if you have kids, you unlock it, drop it down to the height you want, and then twist it back again to relock it. And um, now you have a different height stool.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's uh, uh, uh,
2: I, I paid twenty five bucks for mine. I think it's really great.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at a picture of it on the on the uh, Gizwiz website, and uh, it looks really cool. Yeah, yeah. There's a, on the website you can
2: see what it looks like folded up, and then with it uh, extended. Yeah, And at first when I sat on it, I, I held onto my desk because I thought, is this going to be wobbly? But it wasn't. It, it, it feels really solid. Uh, the company says um, a 300-pound weight limit. One, one company says 1,000 pounds. I, I would, wouldn't buy it from that company because that's just ridiculous. <laughs> um, but it, it, it's, very, it's really, uh, I think, a worthwhile gadget.
1: Okay. And people can get it online? Yeah, uh, absolutely.
2: Uh you can uh, go to my website and there's a link to uh where I bought mine and at the bottom of the page, if you don't like the one I bought just go to the bottom of that uh, Amazon page and there are lots of other choices. It'll, a lot of companies making it in different colors too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. That's a, it's a that's yeah. a really nice gadget. I know you gave it a very a uh, very uh, high review. Yeah, we've, we've done a lot of crap on our show, but this, <laughs> one, worked, this one worked well. Uh, and that's the Yinkai Cyber Celebrity Collapsing Stool. And it collapses down, and, and you can just, boom, you can use it to sit. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Okay. Sounds great. How long has the Gizwiz uh, been going on? How long have you been doing that? Boy, my, I've been the Gizwiz
2: for, uh, I think, coming up to almost 30 years um, and it gives was a short for, for gizmo wizard, because when I first started, I was like the gizmo guy. And then it turned out that there were like 19 gizmo guys. And then I, I, I finally, I started studying about trademarks and, and so you cannot copyright, uh, gizmo guy yeah. because it's too everyday words. Yeah. So I, I, I thought Gizmo Wizard, so uh, I went to a, a patent office or whatever those attorneys are called, and they said, yes, that can be uh, copyrighted. And I said, also copyright GizWiz, which is uh, a shortened version of yeah. uh, Gizmo Wizard. So I, uh, that's how I became the yeah. uh, GizWiz,
1: well, and I, coming up to 30 years. Yeah, well, you've been doing my show for over 20 Oh, have I? Oh my God! Yeah, I think I think the first time you're on my show was 1999. I'm pretty sure. Wow. Yeah. So it's been. Wow. I think it's just been a. It's been just over 20 years that you've been a regular guest on the show. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? It's astounding. Uh, my podcast
2: in February. Next February, my podcast. I'm in year 15. Wow. Yes. Boy, time is just flying by, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, you know, but I started it with. Uh, the uh leo laporte who like is a a a real got a huge tech following and we did it on the phone and he was uh up in his bedroom or something and then he started a studio uh twit this week in tech using like 30 cameras and then it turned into a video podcast and um then he spun it off, and now this guy, OMG, Chad, and I just produce it on our own. Yeah. But yeah, yeah time is just mad. is coming up. I'm up to year 52 uh, with God, Mad. With Mad
1: Magazine. That's insane. Yeah. That's really insane. Yeah. So great. All right, let's talk uh, hear about this uh, Yosu portable solar cap fan. This Chad bought this. Chad does one. Chad uh, picks a theme of
2: the month. Actually, our Patreon members pick a theme, and and this month it was solar gadgets. So he picked this Solarific solar cooling hat,
4: (laughs) and it
2: has it has has a solar panel on the top of the baseball cap, and then a little fan on the front uh, that you aim through a hole in the cap. And Chad said it works really bad. He couldn't get it to face down enough to cool him off. So it sort of shoots a little bit of a breeze uh, at your forehead. <laughs> uh, so he thought that was terrible. And then I I was uh, searching online and I said, wait a minute, look at this gadget. It's a gadget to turn any baseball cap into a solar cap and i thought oh, oh. i can use this on with my mad hat <laughs> so i bought i bought one look great right in the picture so the pol- the solar panel faces up and the fan uh faces down which is great so i slide it on my mad cap and then i realize if you face the fan down far enough to cool you off it hits the brim of the hat and cannot turn. Oh, boy. So it is really worse than Chad's. Chad gets a bit of a breeze. Uh, mine, I think it was $12. I didn't even bother returning it. I just keep it on my desk as, as a joke as to how can someone design something so stupid.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so those are two things you don't want to run out and You buy don't want it. those. You don't want the portable solar cap fan. And, right. uh, or the exactly. solar cap fan attachment. Uh, exactly. Not exactly. good. Not good gadgets. Not good. Okay. All right, Dick, hang on. There you go. Dick DiBartolo is with us. Uh, Mads Maddest Rider wrote for Match Game, and he's the GizWiz. You can check out gizwiz.biz. For uh, more information, a bunch of videos and a bunch of reviews of Gadgets and Gizmos. And we've got more Gadgets and Gizmos to talk about with Dick. And if you want to jump in here, we'd love to hear from you. 312-981-7200. It's Nick DeGilio on WGN. Nick DiGiulio here on 720 WGN, live in the Skyline studio here until 4 o'clock, as we are every weekday night morning from 11 p.m. to 4 a.m. Coming up, uh, Kevin Powell's going to join us after midnight. He does sports for the Rocan show right here on WGN. We're going to talk some sports stories with him. Uh, Also, uh, we play back some classic Johnny Carson. You can watch the Johnny Carson show uh, every night on Antenna TV. And we're going to hear some stand-up from the really funny George Wallace. So uh, that and more. Our phone number is 312-981-7200. We would love to hear from you. My guest right now is Dick DiBartolo. He's the GizWiz, Mads Maddest Rider, who wrote for Match Game. Check out gizwiz.biz, and uh, he's reviewing some gadgets and gizmos for us, which he does on a regular basis. Hi, Dick. Hi, hi. All right. Let's get back to uh, some of these uh, gadgets here. What's the Bachman Eggliner? The egg liner I'm a
2: big model railroad uh fan. Yeah,
1: and that's right. G- I, you have you have it like in your
2: yard, right? You have a In my yard exactly. It's called G scale or garden scale. And uh if you go to like the botanical gardens or places that have trains that are outdoors, they're mostly uh G scale. Mm-hmm. And so Bachman has something called an egg liner, and I believe they bought the rights to it from a company. Uh, it's called uh, Aristocraft. I think they they went out of business. And, and the story is someone at the factory took the end, two ends of a passenger car, and bolted them together. So you had a mini-mini train that was basically the end of two passenger cars. Mm. And and the object of this is it can run on a very small track. You know, G-scale trains normally are large, and, and you need a fair amount of track. And so what Bachman did is instead of taking two ends of a passenger car, they they made a molded car that looks like the uh, original, and I call it an egg liner because from overhead it, it, it looks like the shape of an egg. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it and and it runs around on on a very small track, and they upgraded it to LED lighting, and it, it, at night it glows. The the, uh, the the LEDs from the roof and the sides glow inside the car, so it looks like it's illuminated inside. It's it's really a uh, great fun. If you're a G scale fan yeah. and you want something really small, uh, it's called the egg Liner and the company is Bachman.
1: I'm looking at their website, the uh, Bachman trains. Do they do, uh, do you, do you have a lot of Bachman trains? Are they a, a really popular company? Uh, you know what? I, I have a few things from Bachman that m- most of my
2: trains are from a company called LGB and it started. Oh, boy, I'm, I think my trains have been out there for probably 15 to 20 years, and uh, someone wrote me an email and said, what is this with trains that you can leave outdoors? And and so I did a little research and, and saw that, like the botanical gardens and stuff, everything was from LG, uh, L- uh, uh, LGB, and uh, I called the company and, and said, you know, I'm doing this I was on a show, uh, Steals and Deals, for CNBC. Mm-hmm. I said, could, could you send us, like, a train and some track, and can I leave it in my backyard, like, for six months, and then have a camera crew come in, and we'll turn them on, and they'll run? And he said, Yeah. We'll do that, uh-huh. um, and they did, um, and and so the day we shot the video, it was nice out, so we got buckets of water, and as the trains are running, we threw water on them, and uh, anyway, that that ran on on uh, CNBC. I called a guy and sent him a link, and he said, oh, this is so great. I said, I said, I love this train. I hate to send it back. He said, God, we don't want it. I said, <laughs> okay, because I'm using it in my backyard. And he said, how big is your yard? And I said, uh, well, it's um, 18 feet by 30 feet. And he said, oh, I'll send you track. Uh, you can run it all around your yard. So he did, and um, th- they have been out there all these years. Yeah, I try to take them in in the winter, but sometimes they've been frozen in
1: ice and they still run. That's amazing. Uh, That really is amazing. Wow. We have somebody on the line here. Who's Laura? Uh, Laura, go ahead.
5: Um, Hi. Um, From one animal lover to another, happy dog day. Um, Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. I just sent you a quote. uh, You'll get it when you read your your online stuff. But um, I am an animal lover, and I love squirrels and birds and rabbits. And in the winter in Chicago, it gets very, very cold. So I would like to find a way, instead of having to change the water like 10 times a day, to keep the water uh, unfrozen. Any ideas when I don't have yes, there.
2: Yes. You know, check check Amazon first, if not just Google it. I, I've I've not looked for it recently, but in the past we've done the dog bowl water heater. Oh. Okay. okay. Oh, wait. Did do, did do, do you have access to uh to AC power? No. No. Oh, you're I looking. I would
5: have oh. to really. I would really have to string up a long extension cord.
2: Okay. Uh. You know, I I don't know. Of of a way to keep water warm without a heat source.
5: Well, you know what? I'll check behind the bushes. I'm moving to a different um, apartment in the complex, and and I'll have my own private entrance. So maybe I'll look behind the bushes that are right there, and there might be a cord that's out there for the grass cutters or something. And what, yes, what was the pro- what? what
1: was what was the product again, Dick?
2: Uh, I I don't remember the name, but if you just Google uh, water bowl, uh, uh doggy water bowl heater, mm-hmm. or pet okay. water bowl heater, it'll okay. work. Okay,
1: thanks, Laura. Thank you. Okay, thanks. take care. Oh, you're welcome. All you're welcome. Right. Good luck. Okay. Hey, uh,
2: there's a there's a good chance that there's an AC outlet uh, for lighting and stuff that she might be able to use. Yeah.
1: Wow. Okay, that's a great that's a great idea. Yeah. Great idea. Okay, let's let's talk about the next one. Uh, Wacky Packages Minis. Now. Is this connected to the wacky packages of my youth that I used to buy all the time? Yes, uh, yes. Okay. Uh,
2: th- what they've done—they've come out with wacky packages, minis, 3D. Now, I, I was not—I I did not know about wacky packages until um, this was one of the events I, I saw at the uh, Sweet Sweet event. And w- when you bought them, were they just flat?
1: They were. Uh, they were like trading cards and stickers. Yes, exactly. That's, it's, that's exactly okay. what And I, 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 had, I had a ton of them. I had the stickers everywhere.
2: <laughs> okay. Well, now they're making mini boxes that look uh, like the real thing. Like this. Uh, I, I got a couple of boxes here. Uh, Cracked Jerk. And it looks exactly like the Cracker Jack box. Right, right. And uh, it, it's sort of like if you took a Domino... And wrap the Cracker Jack label on it. That's about the size of it. Oh, okay. And then there's Milk Drone, which is looks exactly like the Milk Bone. Now the thing is, I I don't know if they get. I don't know how they do this because some of them are the the companies. I uh, uh, would not like it because the Ritz crackers is called rat's crackers
4: yeah.
2: and it looks exactly like the Ritz box right. with the Ritz crackers all around the Ritz the blue Ritz but on the top of it is a rat eating a Ritz so <laughs> I, I don't know quite how yeah.
1: I, I think, I got to say, I think that most companies have a good sense of humor about it. I mean, they, Wacky Packages have been around for years and years, and uh, my friends and I, uh, we collected all of them. We had the stickers everywhere. And, oh, my, uh, okay. Yeah, uh, okay. I mean, they were they were incredibly popular in the 70s, yeah.
2: Okay. Uh, yeah, some of them are, are funny, you know, like uh, uh, skimpy peanut butter instead of uh, Skippy. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah uh, um, yeah, it's uh, it's almost like a mad magazine it is
1: that's exactly it's. that's exactly what it's like uh one more uh before we let you go here you got a few more here you 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 were talking about uh the kids tracks trucks what tell me about that
2: oh these are coming out one of them is coming out the end of this month uh so so ride on makes these Ride-on toys for kids, and they have two new ones coming out. One is the semi-truck. So the semi-truck has a removable trailer, and the, the trailer itself can carry like a 50-pound load. And the kid rides in the cab. It's a single ride-on. And the cab is a six-wheel semi-truck and it has uh, a CB radio, and it has a hundred different sounds of motors running. And it's a 12-volt system. It's for ages 3 to 5. Top speed is 4 miles an hour. Uh, It has uh, rubber traction tires. Uh, and, And the company says, I spoke to the guy there, and he said, you know, this is, for sidewalks, driveways, things like that. Yeah. Even uh, send me a video of it running on grass. But they are so realistic looking. Kids will love them. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, a picture.
1: I'm looking at a pack, a picture of, of them now. Oh, man, I would go nuts over this if I were a kid.
3: Oh my! Oh, absolutely.
2: Yeah, uh, I think it's pre-orderable on Walmart. The big semi truck, which is a two-piece thing, I think it's two hundred forty-nine dollars. And then the other thing they make that has already been nominated as a toy of the year, even though it isn't, it's coming out. I think in September is the recycling truck. And, that's and the recycling cool. truck, that's yeah, cool. it's great. And yeah. in the back, it comes with a lot of rubbish that, with different slots you throw stuff oh, in. Oh, that's
1: really cool. And it teaches kids, too. Yeah.
2: That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Oh, yes. And And the bumper is his mouth, and the truck talks. Wow! I mean,
6: when we were kids, we would kill for. The oh, are you kidding?
2: Sake.
1: I want it now, yeah. and I'm
2: 55. <laughs> so I know. I, I said if 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 the show is in person, I would try to ride.
7: that. Yeah, no truck. kidding.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Dick, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. You're one of my favorite guests of all time. Well, um, well, thank you, uh, Dick Di Bartolo. He is the Gizwiz. Check out Gizwiz biz for all your gadgets and gizmo needs. Dick, always a pleasure. And we- I'll- We'll talk to you thank soon. Thank you.
2: I'll send good thoughts t- toward your dad.
1: Oh, thank you, Dick. I appreciate that. Uh, you, no problem. Okay. Okay, buddy. Go. See ya. Dick DiBartolo. Um, yeah, I was nervous the first time I ever had Dick on. Wrote for Mad Magazine and Match Game. Those were huge things for from, uh, from my childhood. Okay. Uh, Kevin Powell. You know Kevin. He does uh, sports right here on WGN on the RoCon show every uh, weekday afternoon. He's going to join us uh, right here to talk sports uh, after we take a trip to the newsroom.
0: My friends feel as they appointed
1: to
8: They keep trying
1: to tell me. All right. Hello. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. Uh, we are live in the Skyline Studio, 18 stories above beautiful downtown Chicago, here until 4 o'clock. Uh, it is a Thursday morning. And uh, we always play back some classic Johnny Carson clips. Uh, the very funny George Wallace. We'll play some uh, some stand up from George Wallace coming up. We're also going to talk about some really stupid schemes that actually made people money. There was a pistachio scheme as well that we're going to jump around. And um, we'll talk a little bit about this right now, but we're going to talk about um, today in history was the first televised baseball game. Um, yesterday, actually. No, technically. Um was the first televised baseball game. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, your first games and if you remember them. So there you go. Uh, but right now... Uh, we would like to welcome to the show our good friend Kevin Powell. Kevin Powell, you can listen to him weekday afternoons on the Rokan show, covering the world of sports. And uh, he joins us usually about once a month to catch up on some sports with us. So let us say hello to Kevin Powell. Kevin, how are you, man? I'm um, good, Nick. It's felt like forever since I last talked to you. Appreciate you having me, as always. No, it's always a pleasure, man. Always. Been keeping uh, keepin busy?
3: Um, yeah, actually kind of because, you know, back, uh, three, four or five
1: months ago when the
3: sports world shut down, we kind of were looking ahead and then sports leagues and teams and everything, were starting to lay out plans for what they were going to try to do it in 2020. And we're in the second half of the year now and, uh, <laughs> things are picking up. I mean, we got the NHL, we got MLB, we got the NBA football. So yeah, it's, it's been, uh, there's been a whole lot of sports stuff actually
1: going on. Yeah. You know, you spent really quickly, you, you, uh, you mentioned the NHL um i was very sad uh, well i mean you know look the fact the fact that the that the hawks actually got into the playoffs because of the new s- setup was amazing cuz they, they it didn't look like they would back in march
3: yeah i think the percentage for them to get in back in march when <clears throat> excuse me when everything shut down i think it was in the single digits yeah so <laughs> for, for them to get in was was awesome and look there's been moments where I've been watching live sports where I've always felt like I've had to, how would I say it? I don't know, manufacture that sort of typical sports excitement I may have had pre-pandemic. I mean, there have been moments where I'm like, yeah, this feels almost, maybe in the beginning a little bit more, but watching those playoff games for the Hawks has felt, uh, but it felt real. It felt like Blackhawks playoff hockey for a little bit. Yeah, right? it was a lot of fun. The Edmonton yeah. series, and you know, I thought, well, the, I thought you, they fought. The, yeah, Edmonton ahead, the
1: Edmonton series was great. I mean, you know, uh, and I was, I was just so happy. But I mean, you know, look, look at man, uh, Vegas is a great team. They're they're just a great <laughs> team, and they, they and they've got the Hawks number. <laughs> it's honor is to it.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, watching Vegas play it gives you an idea of. I mean, even after that series, Patrick Kane was talking about how they. You know, moving forward, what does this team need to do outside of some of these younger players developing the style of play and the way Vegas plays? It's extremely aggressive. They, you know, it's uh, it's line after line after line with Vegas with big guys who can skate and they get to the net and they push hard. They're yeah. not afraid to be overly aggressive, and even Patrick Kane acknowledged that. So, but you know, I thought that was a big moment that uh, just even being in there and a lot of those guys. You know, we keep. People keep thinking the Blackhawks are this old, aging team, and, and that's because we're thinking of the core four or five guys. But if, if heading into the postseason, if you looked at average age per team, the Blackhawks actually had the youngest team, believe it or not. So, yeah, 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 um, yeah. You know, the core is there, but still very young.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And man, Vegas—they're just big and fast. That's that's. <laughs> that's it, I know.
3: I know, and I thought the Hawks fought hard. I really, I really did. You know, some, there was some impressive play, but
1: <laughs> I'm watching Vegas. I'm like, nobody's beating these guys. No, I mean they're unbelievable. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, that's just that's the that's the deal. Uh, well, speaking of the Blackhawks, let's get to the Corey Crawford story. Uh, he says that he he would take a little less money to stay with the Hawks. He wants to stay with the Blackhawks. <laughs> let's talk a little bit about that.
3: Yeah, well, we've heard that too from you know the guys like like Tays and Kane following the game and. Duncan Keith that they keep talking about that one more championship.
1: But hey by oh. the way by the way by the way doesn't Duncan Keith look like Duncan Keith now look like a lunatic? <laughs> with the with the with he the, went, with 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 the, the hair, hair and the and, the, the, visual, and, the, and yeah. the beard, yeah, he looks like a maniac. I love it. <laughs> he's
3: always been a little nuts, you know. Yeah, has yeah.
1: That style of play. I mean, yeah. the guy just is throwing his body
3: around, getting teeth knocked out. Doesn't yeah. care. Just yeah. your are prototypical NHL hockey player. Yeah, I love the guy. Um, <laughs> yeah, and he's still playing at a high level. I mean, the oh, guy yeah. he he still looks intimidating, Duncan Keith. Like he's in good shape and everything and all that. So. um
1: so back to Corey Crawford. Yeah.
3: Yeah, sorry. It's, um, okay, so yeah, he, his contract among the core players, it, it's up. It's expires after this year. So what do they do? Is Corey Crawford willing to take a few extra less bucks? Um, how badly does he want to stick with the core of Taves, Kane, Seabrook, Keith, and give it one more go? Yeah. Um, I, you know, Keith and Taves. Ebrook and Kane—they're locked up for another few years, so they're not going anywhere. Does Corey Crawford, or is there a team out there that's willing to give him a whole boatload of cash that he can't say no to? I mean, he was still really, really good. I mean, there was—he he was a big reason why they even made it four games. Oh against yeah,
1: Vegas. absolutely. I mean, he was on his head, man. He was—it was—he he was amazing. He, he was unbelievable. I mean, he showed everybody why
3: he is who he is, and um, still, when he's on, one of the best goalies in the NHL, at least I think that, you know, watching him play, I mean, the way he's stolen games for the Hawks over, uh, he's been within the organization for about 13 years now. So, um, I really hope they can find a way to bring him back. Um, I, it's just going to come down, and with the hard salary cap next year, and there's a lot of things the Hawks have to sort out when it comes to money. That Seabrook deal, look, we're all huge fans of Brent Seabrook. It's not a good deal for the Blackhawks. He has a lot of money remaining. He's been hurt. Hopefully he can get back to 100% after, what, three surgeries this yeah. offseason, a yeah, couple yeah. hip and a shoulder. So yeah. um, it's just going to come down to money with Corey Crawford. I personally – I. I Obviously, hope they they can find a way to bring him back. I think, I still think he can play an extremely high level.
1: I agree. I, I I hope they bring him back. I think he's great. You know, and I know that he was out for a while, and um, you know, he's he was injury, you know, he was injury prone, and he had the COVID scare it, it, and all that stuff. But yeah, well, and give him credit too. I mean, the guy came into the playoffs off
3: short. How would I put it? He didn't have a whole lot of time to prepare. He had COVID, you know? I yeah. mean, it's, it's – it's, so to, for him to come to the playoffs and perform like that, like, let's not completely dismiss what the guy had to go through, you know, for a lot of different uh, reasons. So it was impressive stuff from Crawford, and I hope they find a way to bring him back. But it's going to take some salary cap maneuvering.
1: It's not only that, but, I mean, you know, I know the salary cap is obviously the top uh, the top thing here. We'll talk more about it uh, as, as, we, uh, as we proceed. We'll see what happens. Kevin, hang on, okay? All right, you got it. All right, Uh, Kevin Powell's with us. You can uh, hear him do uh, cover sports on the Rocon Show every weekday afternoon, right here on WGN. And we'll uh, talk more with Kevin about sports right here, uh, coming up. All right, Nick DiGiulio here on 720 WGN, live in the Skyline studio, here until 4 o'clock on a Thursday morning. My guest is Kevin Powell. Uh, you can uh, listen to him cover sports on the Rocon show every weekday afternoon, and he joins us usually about once a month to catch up on the world of sports. Hey, Kevin. Always love being on with you, Nick. I appreciate it, always Thank you, my friend. Always love having you on, buddy. So uh, you know the the uh, the Kenosha uh, police shooting has affected everything, uh, everyone, everywhere, and now it has affected sports as well because uh, the NBA, the WNBA, uh, MLB, and the MLS uh, games were called off as players boycotted in response to the police shooting. This is kind of unprecedented. Uh, what's your take on this?
3: Absolutely. I mean, I think it's a historic day in, in sports history. I mean, you could even, I think you go as far as just say, you know, American history, like you had pro athletes bailing because they're, they're tired and I don't want to get, I don't know if you want to go down the road of how I feel about all of that, but you know, it's, um, I'll, I'll say this. I mean, it's, there is basically a moment, at least once a day, probably, probably for, for you, for me, for everybody listening, where it just feels surreal, right? I mean, we're in the middle of a pandemic here, and sports were shut down March 12th. As I'm doing reports in the afternoon, I'm having flashbacks to March 12th, when all of a sudden, the entire afternoon, the only thing I'm doing is talking about March Madness getting canceled, about leagues being postponed, about spring training shutting down, essentially the entire sports world shutting down. And here we are with a pandemic. It, it, unbelievably, somehow these leagues have been able to pull off something resembling a normal season. I don't even want to use normal because normal, it's not, but you know what I mean. The fact that they're even playing games. I mean, the NHL with the bubble, the NBA, Major League, all of them. The fact that they're even doing it is pretty incredible. Yeah. And, you know, the, these players are so frustrated and fed up that, during all of that, they're still willing to walk away from the game. I think that says a lot. Where it, the fact that they've pulled this off, and these guys are still saying no, well, you know, that's still secondary to us. And so, I know a lot of people don't want to hear that; they're millionaire professional athletes. But the angle, I'm, you know, w- the, the way I'm going with this is, the f- is it just shows you that these players are completely fed up, and I think they're feeding off the energy, and they feel where some are in America with a lot of things. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's surreal in some ways. I mean, more power to them. I think for me, as much as people were talking about how powerful it was just simply for them to say, no, I'm not playing because I either want to make a stand or just simply take the night to have conversations about things that matter. Watching the Milwaukee Bucks set the tone, the Wisconsin team, right? Yeah. Uh, With the shooting in Kenosha. And then, ESPN was reporting that while the Bucks were in their locker room, they weren't just sitting there. They were actually on a phone call with head government officials in Kenosha. Like they, they were they were they were on the phone asking for change, asking for difference. They were actually trying to do something. So I think it's very easy for a lot of people to roll eyes at certain symbols or Twitter hashtags or people posting things on Instagram or rolling eyes at a player kneeling or doing this or doing that. If if you want any more evidence that they care, there were professional athletes who were on a phone call with government officials trying to make real change happen. To me, that's what stood out the most of the entire day was that they actually were doing something about it other than, you know however however you want to view it whether it was just the, the, the protesting on and off courts or fields or whatever it may be they were doing something about it they were on a phone call asking for change demanding change i think yeah. that's i think that says a lot
1: yeah uh, yeah i agree and and it's a, and you know, you know you, people are making a stand and i think that's important and also jason hayward opted out last night and uh, was not in the lineup for the cubs
3: yeah yeah and, and you know it's I actually meant I should even, I should have led with that too. I mean, for him, you know,
9: it's,
3: it's just a lot, Nick, and I know a lot of people have a lot of opinions on it, so I don't know where exactly, where exactly I want to go with this, but I, I just thought it was a very moving and powerful day in the sports world, and I think that uh, they definitely got, you know, I think. I have a lot to say, Nick. I apologize. I, oh. I, I think people are very sensitive about a lot of things right now, and I don't mean to be overly political or anything. But for me, it was it was powerful to see them actually doing stuff like calling government yeah. officials into change. Yeah. You know, that, that meant them, that you could actually yeah. see real change rather than just sort of. Demonstrating or anything like that.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it, it it's you know it's an unprecedented time. We've never dealt with this kind of thing before, and I think it's interesting how the world of sports and particular athletes are dealing with it. So we'll we'll keep an eye on what's happening, and it's always it, it's always newsworthy. My last,
3: my last point, you know, like four years
1: ago was the day. On the same day
3: where players were boycott, boycotting, was the day Colin Kaepernick was sitting during the national anthem. Right. You know, it's like four years to the day, and here we are, kind of doing it all over again. You yeah. know.
1: Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, we'll uh, cover the world of uh, of what's going on in the world with sports. Uh, there you go. Uh, all right, Kevin. Let's uh, let's let's go to uh, you know uh, yesterday, the twenty sixth of August marked the anniversary of the very first televised Major League Baseball game,
9: mm-hmm.
1: and it was in nineteen thirty nine. Can you imagine what that broadcast was like?
3: Couple of cameras that really just stationary cameras trying yeah. to get any sort of feed. Yeah. You know, it's it's just crazy, like, w- the way TV productions are now. I mean, we get everything you could possibly want within a broadcast between just all the technology and graphics and everything you could think of. You know, it's crazy to think that people were consuming games so much differently back then to where we are now.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, because obviously, you know, there there are now 24-hour sports channels and mm-hmm. uh you know i mean and the way that the games are covered now with the technology and and all of the little effects and everything is amazing but you go back and look at some of the earlier days even if you go back to like the 70s and watch like some of the old uh, footage of the of the cubs broadcast back when uh, brickhouse was doing the the um, the, the call mm-hmm. uh it, it just is so it looks so primitive back then you know what i mean <laughs> even in the 70s you watch it cuz if you yeah. watch like you watch like uh, the footage of uh, of Ernie Ernie Banks' 500th home run, and the you know and the weird the the the, the very primitive graphics on the bottom of the screen <laughs> on the bottom of the screen and everything. <laughs> it's just so crazy. The, I, it, the
3: hey hey popping up on the yeah, screen. It's exact, just like a yeah.
1: typical Texas bug. Yeah.
3: you know it's it's I, I'm a I'm a golf junkie. I know some can't even think you know imagine watching golf on TV, but like I watch. I'll see old golf highlights that they'll pull up during a broadcast of like Jack, Jack, uh, Nicholas playing, you know, at the masters in the seventies. And I'm like, how, the, how do they watch it? You can barely see the ball. Now you have like a, 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 a like a tracer behind every right. golf ball. They have <laughs> right. a million cameras. I'm right. like, you can actually navigate it before. I'm like, what were they eat? What could you even see that you could see the figure of the golfer and that's about it.
1: That was the th- that's the thing it's that it's a, is that all this technology that w- that we use to cover the world of sports now um really makes it more more exciting and more accessible especially a, a, you know especially a sport like golf which is not really conducive to television excitement you know you know what i mean but but they make it they, they make it interesting to watch
3: they do i they do and i mean we think about all the uh, you can basically find a way to get anything that's even remotely organized and competitive, somehow either on your TV or your laptop these days. I mean, really, anything you can yeah. watch horse racing almost twenty four seven. You got Australian horse racing, you know, all kinds of stuff. There's almost always something on. We are kind of spoiled with just when it comes to that, I guess.
1: No, it's true. It's a, it's it, yeah, it's it's absolutely true. I uh, yeah, it's 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 amazing. You know how much sports we have access to. Uh, on our television, and think about hockey back in the day. That's
3: such a fast game. It's it's at times it can be almost difficult to follow along with what is what is happening. I mean, now it's it's easier with HD and things like that. But imagine trying to watch a hockey game from the '60s or '70s. Yeah. and how difficult that would have been.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, there was that period of time when uh, you couldn't watch the Hawks. Like They, oh, they, yeah. they didn't broadcast right. the Hawks. father the uh, the Rocky Wirts's dad. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, decided. That, you know, I, mean, I remember there was a quote that he had, which was, um, "There are only eighteen thousand Hawks fans in the in Chicago, and they all just go to the stadium." And I was <laughs> like, "What?" And, it and made no sense. No, it made no sense whatsoever. And the fact that we couldn't watch Hawks games. Well, I mean, as me being a life a lifelong Hawks fan. Uh, I was like, what, you know, it was it was so aggravating. And then, you know, when that was all fixed, and now you can watch the Hawks anytime you want. You can watch hockey, you know, all over the place. It's a it's much better as you know, it's much better for the fans of the sport.
3: I remember as a kid having this very early interest in the Blackhawks. I remember having like Blackhawks shirts and hats. I think I went to one game and I was hooked. And then the next thing I know, I'm like. I can, I can remember someone telling me that as a kid. Like, you know, some of these games aren't on TV. And just be like, oh, and it was never on TV. Yeah. So then you lose, like, a whole generation. Because you know, I kid, I initially had this hunger to watch Blackhawks. And then I was like, well, where'd they go? They're gone. I can't. Yeah. I don't even know where this team is.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It was a very frustrating time. Okay, uh, Kev, hang out. okay? All right. You we got guys- to talk. Wait, when we get back, we're going to talk White Sox. So big week for the White Sox, I'll tell you, man. Oh, yeah. Okay, so uh, Kevin Powell is here. Uh, He covers uh, sports here on WGN for the RoCon show every uh, weekday afternoon. We'll talk more sports with him coming up. Hello, Nick DeGilio on 720 WGN. Live in the Skyline studio here until 4 o'clock, that Thursday morning. Uh, Coming up, we're going to talk about uh, an elaborate pistachio scheme, and then some other dumb schemes that actually made people money. Um, We're going to talk about how crazy ways that people have saved their lives. And uh, we're, uh, again, we, we were just talking about this, that the first televised baseball game happened yesterday. So we're going to talk uh, our memories about our first games and stuff like that. 312-981-7200 is our phone number if you would like to join us. Our good friend Kevin Powell joins us usually about once a month. You can hear him uh, every weekday afternoon here on WGN, the Rocon Show, covering the world of sports. And we talk sports with Kevin uh, every month. Hey, Kev.
3: I've had so much fun watching the White Sox over the past so
1: 10 days or so Nick. It's yeah.
3: been a long time for this sort of fun and excitement with the White Sox organization and it's finally arrived.
1: You know, it's they're they're on a roll, man. And and uh you know, and it's 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 awesome that we you know, we get to we get to play the games or uh, broadcast the games here. On uh, mm-hmm. on WGN, I mean, this is a really. This looks like it's going to be a pretty special season. I mean, it's it, it, the 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 future. I think is really really bright and really really strong for the for the Sox right now. But um, oh. yeah, go ahead. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, you know, they've won nine of ten
3: games. There's been, I mean, if you look in that stretch, there's been a game where they hit four consecutive home runs. Yeah, uh, <laughs> they really put their foot down at Wrigley and showed the Cubs that they can stick with them. Yep. Um, And there's
1: also been a no-hitter mixed in.
3: Yeah. Let's talk a little bit. Did did you want even more than that? It's just been so many. No, it's just been, it's
1: been, it's been crazy. They're on an unbelievable roll right now. The Sox are, I mean, seriously. And let's let's talk a little, a little bit about that. No hitter.
3: Yeah. It's just so cool to see Lucas Giolito, who's one of, you know, being lucky enough to cover the white Sox, Having a chance to talk to him multiple times, and he's such a smart, self aware guy, and you could tell he really works on his craft. And look, this is a guy back in 2018 had the worst ERA among American League starting pitchers. 2019, he becomes an all star. 2020, he's here now. He's had back to back games where he struck out 13 batters. And oh, that's right, of course, a no hitter. I mean, it's just been such a cool turnaround for him. Um, and such a likable guy as well who, when you talk to him, you could just tell he has his passion for baseball and to see him celebrating with James McCann. Yeah. a guy For over the past couple of years, he's talked about how much James McCann means to him. So to see them do that together um, was really cool. And I think, I don't mean to be overly emotional, Nick, but there is something, when you see that during all of this, you just, again, surreal moments, right? Yeah. Empty ballpark. There was a power surge at the ballpark that sh- shut down the power for a moment during the game. And, You know, Ricky Renteria, after the game, was emotional. He was talking, like, he wanted to cry. He was talking about Lucas. You know, they've been through a lot. And, again, I feel like I have to preface this every time I talk about pro athletes. They they are taken care of very nicely and et cetera, et cetera, and all of that. But, like, it isn't easy for them. I mean, they're going through constant testing. Like, how many people have actually gone through, you know, there, it, it is difficult in a way for them these are guys that are used to going about a certain routine for them to go through this it, it's it's challenging for everybody so to pull that off in a season like this and to have the focus through it all it's almost you know in some ways more impressive from Lucas Giolito so it's um, I think I think there are a lot of Sox fans who just to, to watch a no-hitter in a time where it's just so much uneasiness in, in everywhere with everything going on I think it was a really uh, emotional night there, and just overall, just so fun for Sox fans. And I think all of baseball. I mean, everybody was talking about it. You know, if you're on social media, if you're other, all the media outlets were, were talking about it national and locally.
1: Yeah. Well, we were. You know, we had gotten here. You know, because we get to the station uh, early. You know, pretty early before the show. We go on at eleven. We usually get here around nine ish, nine thirty ish and uh the game was was going and i hadn't uh i i didn't know what was going on and we were walking into the i walked into the newsroom and they're like hey this is you know we're, it's, it's like inning 7 and there's a no-no going <laughs>
4: yeah.
1: and i was like yeah. what really wow and it was it was pretty cool man to to hear that it, it was very cool. Andy Mazur had
3: a great call. With oh, it too. yeah. Um, you know, Jason Benetti did a phenomenal job. Um, you know, here, here's here are some nuggets for you, Nick, when we just talk about the success the Sox have had over the, the past 10 games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they've outscored their opponents 70-21. Oh, my God. Over the, over the past, the batters are hitting 311, 19 doubles, 32 home runs over that 10-game stretch. Wow,
1: that's amazing. And,
3: and, and, Starting pitchers, eleven and five with a two seven two ERA. Basically everything's working for the White Sox right now.
1: Absolutely, Nick. man. Absolutely, they are on a roll. Uh, there's, there's, just, yeah. it's, it's absolutely nuts. Um, yeah. And they, they seven pour- straight games with a seven seven game winning
3: streak at home. That's their longest home winning streak in eight years as well. So I, I can keep pulling up nuggets here for you, Nick. Yeah. Jose Abreu's on a ten game hitting streak. He's batting four seventy five during that stretch with. Nine home runs. You got to figure he's in the MVP conversation. No question. No question. Just a few numbers to kind of paint the picture of what kind of success they're having. Abreu
1: was named player of the month, wasn't he? Uh, player of the week. We, player of the week. Uh, yeah, well, he should have been, been player of the year yeah. so far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, seriously,
3: you know, you know, every Tim Anderson hit safely in nine of his last ten games, batting three fifty seven in that stretch, four home runs. Uh, Eloy Jimenez is on a seven-game hitting streak, hitting four sixty four in that stretch. Um, it, it's just, uh, and they're getting production. I mean, even Danny Mendick, who... Um, You know, hit a home run. He's batting eighth or ninth regularly. So you're getting production from really top to bottom throughout the lineup. But I I can't remember a stretch of, you know, a week or even two weeks of White Sox baseball like this in a long, long time.
1: Yeah, it's just been, uh, it's been, it's been, it's been crazy. I mean, since the beginning of the season, they've been, they've been knocking it out of the park, uh, you know, well, literally. (laughs) <laughs> Literally, yeah, yeah, exactly. So the, and you <laughs> yeah. got that no hitter, uh, you know, a few days ago. That was really exciting. You know that I'm looking at this article from the Chicago Tribune. The White Sox pitchers have thrown 19 no hitters since 1902.
3: I believe that's second most all time, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I believe it's the Dodgers who have the most all time, but it's the most strikeouts for a pitcher um, from Lucas Giolino. Uh, in a White Sox no-hitter. Back-to-back 13-game uh, performances from June. and He's located and everything. And he's working, if we want to talk baseball, and wondering why. I mean, he's he's commanding and He's throwing mid-90s, and his changeup sits in in the low 80s, and he's locating basically everything. He even mixed in some sliders in the ninth inning during that no-hitter, when basically all he had thrown was fastball and changeups. So he's a smart guy. He's a smart pitcher. There's a difference between being a thrower and a pitcher. Yeah. This guy obviously knows how to pitch. So it was just... Uh, just an incredible performance from Lucas Julio. No question it was, about it. it he great.
1: only he only had he only allowed one base runner on a walk. Um a and walk, it was very very walk. very close to being and, a very close to being a perfect game. And when that last ball was hit to
3: right, I thought for sure it was dropping. Yeah. And Adam Angle just happened to be in perfect positioning, shifted over towards the line, and made a, a running, running grab. That was not an easy play. So drama at the end there. He pulled it off. He
1: did, and uh, the boy, the Sox are on a roll. I know White Sox fans are really happy. People who listen to uh, WGN and our Sox fans, this is uh, quite a, quite a, quite a season so far. And I'm looking back at the uh, the 19 no hitters here, and the first one was September 20th, 1902. It was against the Tigers. Sox won three zip, exactly. and it was Jimmy Nixie Callahan, and it was the very first no no by an American League pitcher. So the Sox have that piece of history, wow. too. The very first no-no by an American League pitcher was on the Sox. That's such an
3: old-timey baseball name, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. J-
1: Jimmy Nixie <laughs> Callahan. Jimmy Nixie Callahan! <laughs> <laughs> I love
3: that. Yeah. I love that.
1: Yeah. Uh, real quick before we uh, before we let you go, Wilson Contreras' uh, um, improvement behind the plate uh, has been great for Cubs pitchers, uh, and they've, they've finally acknowledged you know how great he's playing this season.
3: Yeah, I mean, even just a couple, two, three years ago, Wilson Contreras for a moment was in the MVP conversation in the National League, and then he pulled a hamstring at a game, I believe, in San Francisco. When he's playing his best, Wilson Contreras is top two, three catcher in all of baseball defensively um, with a cannon for an arm and a big-time bat that's potent within the lineup. So um, huge piece to it. And David Ross straight up said, he goes, we're going to go with the core. We know who the core is, right? Baez, yeah. Rizzo, Brian's been banged up though. Haven't seen a whole bunch of him. Yeah, uh, the Contreras, those type of guys. So, uh, you know, they got off such a, such a strong start. They've hit a little bit of a slow patch here, but when you start thirteen and three, kind of buy yourself a little, a little bit of time if you do hit a little bit of a
1: slump. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, as the as a you know, obviously I'm I'm a huge Cubs fan. Uh, I'm mm. very, I'm very excited about what's going to happen for the rest of the season. I really am. So, uh, but we'll you keep an be. eye on it. and Wilson Contreras. Well, Wilson Contreras is a big piece of that puzzle. No question about it.
3: Absolutely. I think so. we're uh, the, the chances of both these teams playing the postseason, looking really, really yeah. good, and that's fun for Chicago.
1: Exactly. Fun, fun baseball season for the for the Chicago uh, area and fans. Hey, Kev, always a always a great pleasure, buddy. Uh, uh, all right, take care, and we'll listen to you on the RoCon Show. You're the best, Nick. Thank you so much. Okay, man. you having All me. Right. Kevin Powell, every uh, weekday afternoon here on WGN, covering sports on the Rocan Show, and he joins us usually about once a month uh, to cover sports here. All right, it's Nick DeGilio on 720 WGN. Ain't
0: no woman like the one I've got the one I've got. ain't no woman
8: like the one i've got every day the sun comes hello
1: nick digilio here on 720 wgn live in the skyline studio here until four on this thursday it's a thursday correct uh yes okay my uh My calculator says that, yeah. Your calculator? What is this, 1975? Yeah, well, it tells the date. Uh They can do uh, all sorts of weird functions. (laughs) All right. Uh, Coming up, uh, we're going to talk about some uh, really dumb schemes that uh, actually made people some money. Uh, We also have an elaborate pistachio scheme, which is going to need some explanation. Uh, 312-981-7200 is the phone number. If you'd like to join us. Every, uh, weekday morning at 2.30 right here on the show, we play back some classic Johnny Carson comedy. You can watch the Johnny Carson show every night on Antenna TV, and I suggest you do, because it's awesome. So we always play back, uh, some classic comedy, whether it be a sketch or an interview or, uh, some stand-up, and we'll hear some stand-up from the very, very funny George Wallace. Do we know about what time frame, uh, the George Wallace, uh, Stand up is from? You know, I'll have to I'll get back to you on that. Okay. So George Wallace, very, very funny guy. So uh three one two nine eight one seven two hundred is the phone number um if you want to join us. That's the uh Team Hochberg phone line. And the news is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. Right here on WGN. So as I mentioned to uh to Kevin. Oh, by the way, we have uh, we we're something to, going on with the podcasts that we wanted to mention. Yeah, so there's just been a little bit of uh, a, technical a glitch. difficulty. glitch? Yeah, just a little glitch, and it's across all every show. It's not just us. You know, just a little glitch on getting everybody the podcast. Uh, but you can get them still on the website every single day, every single second of every single show. And the app. And the app as well. So definitely download the WGN Radio app. You're going to get that uh, same high-quality there you audio go. content so download the WGN radio app and check out wGnradio.com um, to get the podcasts and again every second of this show every second of every show turns into a podcast and so if you miss any of it uh, get the podcast you can listen at your leisure bro so so uh, Kevin we, Kevin and I were uh, Kevin Powell uh, again who you can hear on the bro Con show doing sports every uh, weekday afternoon. I'd mentioned uh, that the the first televised Major League Baseball game was on August 26, 1939. Uh, It was broadcast on station W2XB-S. The station was the station that was to become WNBC-TV. Announcer Red Barber called the game between the Cincinnati Reds and the Brooklyn Dodgers at Ebbets Field in Brooklyn, New York. At the time, television was still in its infancy. Regular programming did not yet exist, and very few people owned television sets. There were only about 400 in the New York area. Not until 1946 did regular network broadcasting catch on in the United States, and only in the mid-50s did television sets become more common in the American household. Uh, In 1939, the World's Fair, which was being held in New York, became the catalyst for the historic broadcast. The television... Uh, was one of the fair's prize exhibits. And organizers believed that the Dodgers-Reds doubleheader on August 26th was the perfect event to showcase America's grasp on this new technology. Wow. Uh, By today's standards, the video coverage was somewhat crude. You think? (laughs) There were only two stationary camera angles. The first was placed down the third base line to pick up infield throws to first. And the second was placed high above home plate to get an extensive view of the field. It was also difficult to capture fast-moving plays. Swinging bats looked like paper fans and the ball was all but invisible during pitches and hits. Wow. I wonder if there's any footage of that. That would be pretty that would be pretty cool to see. Nevertheless, the experiment was a success, driving interest in development of television technology, particularly for sporting events. Though baseball owners were initially concerned that televising baseball would sap actual attendance, they soon warmed to the idea. Um, In particular, they embraced the possibilities uh, for revenue generation that came with increased exposure of the game, including the sale of rights to air certain teams or games and television advertising. Today, televised sports is a multi-billion dollar industry with technology that gives viewers an astounding amount of visual and audio detail. Cameras are now so precise that they can capture the way a ball changes uh, shape when struck by the bat, and athletes are wired to pick up uh, l- uh, field level and sideline conversation. Yeah, we've come a long way since two, uh, two cameras, just uh, two stationary camera angles. Now we're micing up players and catching their yeah. blithe conversations about God knows what. You know who should be mic'd all the time? Rizzo? Yes. Rizzo's hilarious. He and Bryant, when when they mic'd up uh, 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 Chris Bryant and, uh, and Anthony Rizzo, hilarious. Really, really funny stuff, especially Rizzo. I mean, because he was just like mocking people. On the other, I can't remember who they were playing, but he was like making fun of the guys who were on, well, who had to stand next to him if they got a single or a walk. And there's Rizzo having some fun with the mic. So there it is. Uh, yesterday marked the first televised major League baseball game, and it was in 1939. Cincinnati Reds versus the Brooklyn Dodgers. We've come a long way. So uh, we are going to discuss some of the greatest moments in sports history, because that's a big moment your first televised Major League Baseball game, that's a really, really big moment in, uh, in sports history. But what do you think are some of the greatest moments in sports history? Three one two nine 981 That's our number. And that's what we're going to talk about here. Uh, I've got uh, from the Bleacher Report, they put together what they think are the five greatest moments in sports history. And uh, we'll talk about those, but we want to hear from you. Um, what do you think... Uh, the uh, best moments in sports history three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. Uh Here's Brian on WGN Hi Brian How you doing? Alright, what's up?
10: Good uh, I was talking to uh, Tom or Dallas However you want to go And um, I was yeah, I know you had Kevin Powell on Talking about your most memorable TV sports history And it would be, for me Would be the 1977 Dodgers-Yankees World Series It was Game 6 when uh, Reggie Jackson hit the three home runs off of Bert Hooten, Charlie Huff, and Elias Sosa. Yeah. But during that time, during that game, I was seven years old, but watching that World Series, I was sick with the mono.
1: Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, th- thanks, Brian. Okay, thank you. Take care. <laughs> Brian had mono? He had a... <laughs> Yeah, sitting and watching the game, probably delirious. All right. That's a tough one. Yeah, Reggie Jackson, Mr. October. That was amazing. That's an amazing performance right there. Yeah, that's how he got the old nickname Mr. October. That's where it came from. Was that incredible performance. He was a great he was a great player, Reggie Jackson, a great ball player. Uh, what do you think? Some of the greatest moments in sports history. What are your favorites? 3129817200. Here's Glenn on WGN. Go ahead, Glenn
3: hey morning Nick
7: or evening
1: Nick
7: how you doing all right uh sports history
1: I'm not too sure about
7: there's so many of them but my question is going back to the first televised is
1: what was the first commercial uh i, I I'm I don't know or would did it have been one I yeah. don't I don't know I don't I, I my guess is that there probably weren't commercials that would be my guess yeah yeah I was yeah, probably for chewing tobacco no. yeah <laughs> but, so I was just curious. Yeah, I don't know. So. We'll, we'll to, do you know, Tom? <laughs> I do, actually. Hi. I do. It was for <laughs> Bulova Watches. Wow. Bulova Watches. Wow. Uh, Bulova. Bulova. That was aired on July 1st, 1941, before the beginning of a game, a baseball game in New York, between the Brooklyn Dodgers and the Philadelphia Phillies. So that was the first commercial that they showed? Yeah, first ever advertisement, NBC's WNBT-TV. It was only 10 seconds long, and it uh, featured no voiceover. Ah, well, there it is. Well, that wasn't the, that wasn't in the 1939 game, so there were no commercials in the 1939 game. The first commercial was aired in 1941. The Boulevard, uh, yeah, Boulevard okay. watches. All right, Surprise thanks, Glenn. Me, but, thanks, Glenn. Sorry, have a nice morning. All right. All right, Boulevard watches. That seems a little weird. They didn't have beer back then. <laughs> is that is that the? I mean, it's beer commercials are probably the most popular for televised sports wouldn't you think i'd say so yeah probably something like uh like bud light probably the most popular one can you remember how popular no you don't you were how popular the light beer where the how how popular the light beer commercials were well i mean filling tastes great that yeah i remember a good a good amount of that well they were classic commercials yeah well i mean i'm gonna say uh best mascot for a light beer suppose mckenzie uh, that wasn't light beer. Wasn't it? I thought Spuds McKenzie was for Bud Light. Oh, Bud Light, yeah. Not Miller Light. Because the Miller, the Tastes Great, less filling, filling was is Miller, Miller light. light. Yeah. Yeah.
8: How long did they use the,
1: What's up? For well, Budweiser? That was Budweiser. That was yeah.
8: Budweiser, okay.
1: I want to say yeah. like a year in 1999. Because you had that, you had that, and and the frogs were also Budweiser. Yeah, Budweiser frogs, Yeah, classics. And I loved both those commercials. I thought the What's Up co- commercials were hilarious. Amazing. I thought they were absolutely hilarious. But everybody was going, Why everybody. So. Yeah, I remember seeing those commercials for the first time, the frogs and the uh, screaming What's Up guys. All right. Uh, uh, phone lines are open. We want to hear from you. 312-981-7200 312-981-7200 uh, Bleacher Report put together what they think are the five greatest sports moments in history and uh, but we want to hear from you what are your favorite moments what do you think are the greatest moments in uh, in sports history 312-981 7200 and we'll get back to that after the news Hello, it's Nick degilio on 720 WGN. I'm your overnight dude here until uh, 4 o'clock. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. Um, we are going to talk about um, really dumb schemes where people actually did make some money um, and, uh, and more. Classic Johnny Carson clip. We always play at 2.30. Um, and uh, we'll be playing uh, some stand-up from George Wallace, um, which is always very cool. Well, as we uh, talked, yesterday was the uh, anniversary of the first television broadcast of a baseball game, and uh, and that was a big moment in sports history. So we're talking about some of the greatest moments in sports history. And uh, what do you think? 312-981-7200. Uh, call us up. Phone lines are open. We want to hear from you. Uh, greatest moments in sports history. That's what we're talking about. 312-981-7200. Here's James on WGN. Hey, James.
0: Hey, how are you? Hope your fire feels better. Thank you. Uh, okay. Uh one moment that, okay, our uh, Hank, uh, Hank Aaron's uh home run off Al Downing, uh, which uh okay uh made for uh seven fifteen.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Also the another moment but she was the uh the Yankees Ironman Iron Man uh Lou Gehrig's speech about
1: being the luckiest right. man in the world, right? Yep. that's a, that's a that's that is a classic moment in sports history, no question about it. All right, James, thank you, sir. You're welcome. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. Yeah, I remember. Uh, I remember where I was when I saw it, when uh, Hank Aaron hit that seven fifteen. Uh, I was at a, a neighbor's house in the in the in the house that I lived in. Um. There was a part an apartment building in the backyard. So there were two buildings on the uh you know on the property. We were in the front right on uh, right out on Addison. And then there was a I think it was a three flat in the um in the in the back apartment building. That was the back apartment building. We were visiting, we knew the people, well we knew pretty much everybody in the building, but the the, the people on the second floor were really good friends with my parents. And that was the same day because we were like house sitting for them. My mom was there and and my dad and we were kind of house sitting for them while they were away because that's the day that they had their daughter. They had their daughter on this on the same day that Hank Aaron um, broke the record. So, yeah, it was pretty it was pretty spectacular to watch. It was pretty it was pretty cool. So I would say that, and of course this article does mention that. You, ha- you can't have an article with the greatest moments in sports history and not have the Hank Aaron home run. So three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. what do you think? What are some of the your favorite or the greatest moments in sports history? Um, sports are great, says this uh, author of this article. Millions upon millions of people every year across not only the United States but the entire world involve themselves with sports one way or another. Whether it be coaching a team, playing for a team, or whatever the case may be, it's safe to say that without sports, the world we live in today would be a much, much different from the world that we currently know. There are dozens of different sports in the world, ranging from baseball to skiing, football to cricket, basketball to croquet. Uh, there are also dozens of different reasons that people involve themselves with sports, no matter the level. One of the most common reasons as to see why people love sports is because the way that sports can lift us to the way that they can make us feel on top of the world and invincible, albeit sometimes only for a moment. That's a good summation of it. Um, Ever since sports were first played, there have been millions of special and iconic moments to narrow down the five greatest moments in sports history. It was no easy task. However, the five moments that I chose, and this was the author, are uh, on this list for different reasons. To be considered one of the greatest moments in sports history, the moment had to be special. It has to be a moment where people remembered where they were when it happened or when they heard the news. It had to have uplifted a large group of people, and um, it must be an iconic moment in time that will stand forever. That makes sense. So we got five of them here that, uh, that the author picked here at Bleacher Report. There are definitely more than five great moments in sports. So three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. Let's see. Here is Dave on WGN. Hi, Dave.
9: Howdy. Hi. Um, obviously, this was way before our time, but uh, the catch of the time that has to be one of the yeah
1: plays. Well, if people haven't, uh, if people don't know what that is, explain what the catch is.
9: Well, uh, uh, when. Um, Uh, Was it uh, Willie Mays? Mm Mm-hmm. Popped that over his his shoulder, diving back towards the center field wall. Yeah. Um, I mean, of the time, that was one of the best plays. And, of course, we saw Jim Edmonds do it, too. But um, he, of course, didn't invent it. And since I'm calling from Kalamazoo, Michigan, right across the pond, I thought I'd throw two Derek Jeter moments in there, Mr. November, and then the uh, flip at home plate in the World Series, or Mm -hmm. the – uh, American League Championship Series.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Derek Jeter. Yep. All right. Okay. Thanks, Dave. All right. Yep. Have a good evening. All right, up in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Up there in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Okay, uh phone lines are open. What do you think are some of the greatest moments in sports history? And we'll uh find out what the author of this uh article in uh, Bleacher Report thought thinks. But yeah, what are they? Any sport. 312-981-7200. Okay. Uh, it's Nick D'Otelio on WGN. Get back to the greatest moments in sports next.
4: The girls got
8: plenty good lovin'. How I know And I'll
1: tell you so you used to be Alright Hey, it's Nick DiGilio on 720 WGN We're live in the Skyline studio And uh, we are talking about the greatest moments in sports history I have an article here from Bleacher Report Where they've uh, uh, the author uh, picked uh, the five greatest moments in sports history And there are more than five So we want to get uh, your thoughts on it so the phone lines are open at 312-981-7200. Um, uh, for your thoughts on the greatest moments in sports history, here's Mike on WGN. Hi, Mike.
3: How are you doing, Nick? All right. Um, I'm, I'd, be, I'd be shocked if this isn't number one because it pretty much covers everybody in the U.S. in the Miracle on Ice in 1980.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, th- that's according to this article, that's number one. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was huge. I, I remember where I was when I saw it. And, uh, you know, how exciting it was and and how historic it was. It really was. Yeah, Miracle on Ice is is a, is easily one of the greatest moments in sports history.
3: Another one would be uh, secretary winning the Belmont by 31 lengths. Oh, yeah, good old um, Secretariat.
1: 73,
3: yeah. 74. Yeah. And just probably the most incredible single sports call that I can remember. You know, just uh, the call the guy made when he – he says he is moving like a tremendous machine Yeah, just sends chills
1: down your spine. Yeah, yeah. That's a classic moment, too. All right, Mike, thanks. No problem. Bye. All right. 312-981-7200. Phone lines are open for your favorite sports moments, most memorable. Yeah, secretary, And then uh, Secretariat uh, ended up on the uh, Craig Ferguson show. <laughs> 312-981-7200. I remember when Ricky Gervais was on the Craig Ferguson show and, you know, you got Secretariat, you got Jeff, Jeff, the, the, the robot, the, the gay robot sidekick and uh, just how loose and crazy the show was. At one point, Ricky Gervais is like, is this really, is this really on television? Is this really a television show? <laughs> During the interview. All right. Uh, greatest sports moments. 312 7200 What do you think? Uh, There's five of them that that have been chosen here by this uh, author. And um, the first one here is number five is Jackie Robinson breaks the color barrier. Obviously, completely historic and an unbelievably important moment, not just in sports, but in history in general. Uh, sure, this moment is a game, isn't a is a game-winning shot or a championship win, but it was one of the most significant moments in the history of not just Major League Baseball, but sports in general. It was April 15, 1947. Jackie Robinson made his Major League debut with the Brooklyn Dodgers, and in the process, Robinson also became the first African-American player to have ever played in the Major Leagues, marking the end of segregation in baseball as Robinson finally broke the color barrier. Robinson made his debut in front of a crowd of 26,623 fans uh, that day, with a majority of the fans being African-American as well. Dodgers manager Leo DeRocher supported Robinson when some of his teammates said that they would rather sit than play alongside a black man. He stated, I do not care if the guy is yellow or black, or if he has stripes like a, like a and zebra. Oh, Leo DeRocher. <laughs> I'm the manager of this team, and I say he plays. Some of the stories about Leo DeRocher, man, you know, when he was with the Cubs. Do you know how many unbelievable stories that Ron Santo had about Leo DeRocher? I can't even imagine. And just to hear the stories come out of Ron Santo's mouth, amazing. Over 60 years have gone by since Robinson debuted in the MLB, and now not only are African-Americans prevalent in the MLB, but sports of all kinds. Make no doubt about it, Jackie Robinson not only broke the color barrier in baseball, but in all of sports, and it really, as other leagues, followed suit afterwards. Historic moment. Absolutely mm-hmm. historic. And speaking of Leo DeRocher, uh, I love his nickname, Leo the Lip. Oh, yeah. And yeah, the yeah. Lippy. Yeah. I loved it. let uh, see. Here's Big Ed. Go ahead, Ed. Hey, Nick. How you doing? All right. Uh, best wishes to your dad, buddy. I appreciate that. Thank you very much.
11: All right, my uh, great moment in sports, 1960,
3: Game 7, ninth inning, Bill Mazeroski's home run beats the Yankees.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's a huge moment. That's that's Nobody a great thought moment. thought that was going to happen. Yep, and that's uh, the, the, the whole first chapter of the book that I always talk about, uh, Underworld, uh, is that. Takes place when the when the shot happened. That's when it happened. So
7: what, Mazurowski?
6: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Well,
6: I'm,
7: I'm from Pittsburgh, and when that happened, I was just a kid. Yeah, but I remember the town went crazy.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, Ed. Thanks. All right. Take, Take care. care. Um, let's see. Here's uh, trucker, Rich. Hey, Rich. Hey Nick, how are you doing tonight? I'm all right.
11: Uh, I'm sure your dad's probably chasing around the young nurses around the hospital. So, <laughs> I, I, let hope your mom so. Find I hope so. I hope so.
1: I just want him to. Get, I just want him to get home, man.
11: I want him to get to I get be,
1: to get better and to get home. So.
11: Oh, he'll have the best care because he's a character. Yeah. You know, the nurses will gravitate to it. Gravitate to him for a joke. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I can't remember what it was. It was between sixty-nine and seventy-one when Rick Monday took the flag from the hippie that was trying to burn it out in right field
1: yeah that was in the I think that was the early 70s I'm pretty sure that that was the yeah. early 70s that it was, was re- it was during the Vietnam conflict yeah but you want you look looked, yeah, you looked he, that up to find out the date Tom for me Rick Monday uh, saving the American flag he was still with the Cubs wasn't he yeah oh yeah no 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 he was a cub definitely yeah he was definitely it a happened cub. at Wrigley Field it did happen at Wrigley yeah and, yeah uh, I will just we'll find out the date but that was a big moment that was a big moment. Yeah. I was a, I was a huge Rick Monday fan. I loved. Oh, me too. oh my god, I loved Rick Monday. He was one of my favorite Cubs ever.
11: Yeah, I mean so, it's a shame I'm 65 years old and I can almost name the whole Chicago Cubs lineup. Yeah. Short of center short of center field.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, no that was a, that was but, a, that was great. What was the date, Tom? So that was in 1976. So uh April 25th, 1976. I've actually got a little bit of it. It's kind of rough. Uh But a little bit of audio for right. it.
10: Not sure what he's doing out there. It looks like he's going to burn a flag, and Rick Monday runs and takes it away from him. And so Monday, I think a guy was going to set fire to the American flag. Can you imagine that? Well, they better lose him in a hurry. And Monday, when he realized what he was going to do, raced over and took the flag away from him.
1: Wow. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was earlier than that. Yeah, nineteen seventy six. I remember it. Yeah. Um I, I, yeah, I absolutely I, do too. I remember it. So all right. But thank yeah. you, Rich. All right, yeah, take thanks, thanks. All right, buddy, good take evening. It. Yep. Bye. That was something, man. I loved Rick Monday. He was absolutely one of my favorite Cubs. And uh I remember I remember watching that game. I was watching that game. I was like eleven years old. It was April, you said April of seventy six? April twenty fifth. Okay, I was ten. But yeah, Rick Monday saving the American flag. An absolute classic and great moment in sports history. So that's what we're talking about. We're talking about some of the greatest moments in sports history. And, uh, I mean, that obviously wasn't a play. That wasn't, you know, a game-winning hit. But it was a a very significant event in sports history and uh, an event uh, at that time. But yeah, Monday was great. Monday was a great player. So... Uh, here's Don on WGN. Hi, Don. Hi,
3: Nick. How you doing?
1: Okay. Just
3: want to let one thing on the previous caller, uh, the Rick Monday getting the flag was at Dodger Stadium. Not oh, it was at
1: Dodger Stadium. Okay. Wasn't it Wrigley?
3: Yeah. Uh, the one that I wanted to throw is a little non-mainstream sport, but it's something that's resonated over the years, and people who knew nothing about the sport still remember it. Uh, Roger Bannister breaking four minutes of the mile in 1954. Oh, okay. Because even people who know nothing about tracks say, oh, did you run a four-minute mile, and people still think, wow, that's really great. Yeah. It's not what it used to be because a lot of people have done it. But yeah. it uh,
1: yeah. But no, that's really resonated that, over the years. That's absolutely significant. No question about it. Okay, hey, Don. Uh,
3: my favorite call yeah. of all time is um, when Bobby Thompson hit the home run.
1: That's it, Bobby Thompson, yeah. Yeah, okay. All right, thank you, Don. Thanks, Nick. I, I got <laughs> mixed up. Bobby Thompson home run mm-hmm. is what... Opens underworld. That's what okay. opens down to underworld. The, yeah. the whole first chapter is about that. Like Jackie Gleason's in the crowd. They describe <laughs> all the other people that are there. Right. And that, and that, the, the home run ball is a significant element to this over 800 page book.
4: <laughs> oh boy.
1: I actually, I've got some audio from uh, classic WGN audio of uh, DeRocher doing, oh, that, doing oh. an interview. Does he, is he swearing? Uh, don't worry, we did a, I did a little scrub there. Okay. It's, just, it's just a little clip of it. Let's uh, take a listen here.
8: Well, Leo, in announcing the fines last night again, after finding two more ballplayers, we might be in trouble with the newspaper men. Manziel uh, was very upset uh, uh, about you announcing the fines over my program. What do you think of uh, Manzel? I uh, have a few words for Munzel. He can go on <laughs> <self>. <laughs>
1: Oh man, that's great. <laughs> oh man. Could you imagine a manager saying that today? Uh <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's really great. That's really great. Do we know what uh, do we know what year that was? <laughs> what year was that? <laughs> was he with the Cubs at the time? Yes he was. Um <laughs> so here's a here's a little uh uh Leo DeRocher was having some fun while recording Cubs pregame interviews <laughs> for Chicago's W G N radio in the late sixties. Oh, this is on GN. Yeah. Oh that's fantastic. Also heard our WGN announcers Lou uh Lou Boudreaux and Vince Lloyd. Vince Lloyd and Lou Boudreau, yeah. Uh, uh, can I can I do it one more time? Yeah,
8: absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh
1: my gosh.
8: Well, Leo, in announcing the fines last night again after finding two more ballplayers, we might be in trouble with the newspaper, man. Manziel uh, was very upset uh, uh, about you announcing the fines over my program. What do you think of uh, Manziel? I uh, have a few words for Munzel. He can go on himself. <laughs> <out.
1: laughs> oh, man, that's funny. That is so funny. Oh God, Leo DeRosier. what a legend that guy, Leo the Lip. Um, all right, you've heard the Lee Elia rant, right? Yeah, uh, we could get a little bit. Yeah, of that. let's get a little bit of the Lee Elia rant because that was, and then again, make sure it's censored. Don't worry, I'll take care of it. Oh man, I I absolutely remember the Lee Elia the, the rant. <laughs> <laughs> Just ripping apart the fans and more. Oh, it's so funny. All right, we'll hear that and we'll talk more about the greatest moments in sports history. Three one two-nine eight one seven two hundred and we'll do that after the news. My favorite Michael Jackson song. I love this song. I'm an off the wall guy, not a thriller guy. I prefer off the wall. I like that rock and Robin cover he did. Yeah, I just think I think Michael Jack Michael Jackson. You know, he went a little loon, but That's putting it mildly. But for me, um, you know, with the Jackson Five up until Off the Wall, he was great, and then it just kind of you're not a bad. Oh, I think it's appropriately titled. Yeah. Well, what about Smooth Criminal, man? I like the, the Alien Ant Farm version better. Although I do like the, the Michael J. The, and the video is cool as hell. Yeah. For Smooth Criminal. I will say that. His videos were always good. Mm-hmm. So And man, he could dance. I remember when the, the 25th anniversary of the Motown label, when he busted out the Moonwalk, the moonwalk for the walk, first time. Baby. Oh, my Game God. Track. Game changer. Yeah, you want to talk about historic moments. That was really seriously in music history. That was unbelievable. People were that, people, that nobody had ever seen any kind of moves like that. And it was talked about around the world. Like the next day, it was like, did you see this moonwalk thing that Michael Jackson did? Yeah, that was it. Crazy time. Man, if you go back to 1983. There was no artist bigger on the planet than Michael Jackson when Thriller came out. I mean, I think I think there were like eight hits off of Thriller, eight or nine top ten it, hits. It held the record for most singles to go number one. For I a mean, it was just insane. That record, uh, yeah, Michael uh, Michael Jackson. Uh, all right, it's hi, it's Nick Degilio here on Seven Twenty WGN. Uh, coming up a little bit later on, we always play some comedy from Johnny Carson. We do it at two thirty. And uh, we're going to play some uh, stand-up from the very, very funny George Wallace. And we'll find out what year that's from. Right now we're talking about some of the greatest moments in sports history. Uh, and uh, we want to hear from you. Got some people on the line. And uh, I've got an article here from Bleacher Report. We've got uh, a, a few more entries from that article to talk about uh, as well. 312-981-7200. Here's Mel on WGN. Hi, Mel. Mel.
6: Nick, Nick, all the best to your dad, Thank you.
1: Thank you very much.
6: I just haven't been around the uh, radio, but all the best to your dad. hope he's recuperating and and back home soon.
1: Me too. too. Thank Thank you. you.
6: Thank you. My pleasure. I'll try to get all this out real fast. The caller before uh, with the um, Roger Bannister and the four-minute mile, okay? Back then, I think it was October 54, Roger Bannister was a medical student in the U.K., and he wanted to prove to the world that a human being could run a sub four minute mile, and he ran a three fifty nine nine. Wow! And that's a, you know back then he was, and this was before uh, he was knighted by the Queen. But but uh, you know as the years went on, but he was a medical student back then. Wanted to prove. Now what he had going for him, he had two what was called Jack Rabbits back then, uh, Chris Chiderway and Chris Brazier. These guys were like the the jackrabbits who set the pace. Okay. And then he just poured it on and he just had that sprinters glide and he had that, that uh you know, confidence about him and he actually when he, he crossed the line he fell into the arms of the reporters. Wow. So I mean it was really exciting back then from that side. Okay, now um Oh, boy, oh, boy. In all due respect to, to Michael Phelps, of course, you know, great American swimmer, what have you, back in the 72 Olympics with uh, Mark Spitz and the seven gold medals. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I mean,
1: that's, I mean, that's legendary.
6: legendary. Yeah. Well, believe me, he Mark Spitz had enough hair on him. I mean, I'm in the business. For five guys, plus the mustache, the wallace, mustache, mustache, and, of course, as the years went on, I mean, you know, you streamline all that, you know. Yeah. yeah. You know, plus the swimming cap or what have you. So... So Mark went in there and did it with seven gold medals. With like I say, with all that hair. Also, I gotta throw I gotta throw this in. 1978, there was a horse named Affirmed, Affirmed, and the jockey's name was Stevie, Steve Steve Coffin. He was 18 years old. Steve Coffin won the, the 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 Derby, the Preakness, and the Belmont. No, and 18 year old kid. Okay. The horse that came in second also, that was Aladar, and he came in second in all three races. Steve Cawthon won the triple crown as an eighteen year old back in seventy eight.
1: Wow, eighteen, 18 years, years old. old.
6: He was eighteen years old. Yeah. And you know, the guy was just a a, a master on top of that horse. I mean, yeah. you know, he just gives me yeah, eighteen years old. Let me do this real fast. Montreal Olympics, darn it, I think it was eighty Four, what have you. Okay, his name was Vasily Alexiev, obviously from the Soviet Union. And he's there. Nick, I'm telling you, the guy looked like a movie star. He looked like Victor Mature. Mm-hmm. And he, he, to cut to the chase, he approached a weight, horizontal bar, the whole thing. He was the first man to deadlift 500 pounds. Wow. Wow. Now, I want to tell you, he had that audience, I mean, between his his looks and his demeanor and the whole nine yards, that audience could have held their breath for two weeks. And when he lifted the thing, the analyst had a really great, because lifting it to the point where it's knee high, your your feet are basically two or three inches off the ground. So you have to maintain that balance. And when he got it to chest high, the crowd almost went crazy. Lifted his over his hip, lifted overhead. Now, in the ruling with the Olympics, you know the officials tell you when to put the thing down. You don't put it down. So when he got the high sign to put it down, he put it down. Picked his arms up to uh, just address the crowd. The crowd went crazy. Yeah. And then he just and then he just walked off into the back.
1: Yeah. Okay. Thanks, think,
6: Mel. Nick, a pleasure. Take All right, care. take
1: care. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. Here's Ron on WGN. Hi, Ron. Hey, Nick. Um, Nineteen
11: eighty eight. Kirk Gibson. Oh man. Run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what? You just think about the call even more than the actual home run. I mean, just the,
1: just him, just him running that that image of him just limp, limp, limping around the bases. It was such a great moment.
11: Absolutely. He could barely walk.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so that that was man, Okay. okay. All right, you, Ron. Nick. Thanks, man. Yeah, I'll never forget that. That was amazing. Kirk Gibson uh, with the home run and then just like barely able to run the bases. Such a great moment, man. Uh, all right, here's Egon on WGN. Hi, Egon.
10: Hi. The uh, best to your dad. I'm going in for surgery tomorrow morning.
1: Well, good luck to you, too. Uh, yeah. Um, uh,
10: 1947. I was 13 years old while I went over to Wrigley Field, bought a standing-room-only ticket to stand in the uh, upper uh,
1: grandstand
10: at Wrigley Field to watch uh, Jackie Robinson play in Chicago as a major leaguer for the first wow,
1: time. Wow, that's really amazing. And you were there? I was there, and nobody was booing. It was yeah. not. It was nice. Yeah, that's great. That's a great great memory. Yes, it is. Okay, thanks, Egon. Good luck tomorrow, buddy. You're welcome. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Here's
9: Andrew on WGN. Hi, Andrew. Hi. Hi. My uh, moment was in 2001, uh, about a week after 9-11. They postponed the baseball and the football season about a week. And... um, this was the first game. It was the Mets and the Braves. It was the first game following the attack, so there was a special buzz in the air. Yeah. And during the ni- during the um, seventh inning stretch, um, they did a special thing. They had Liza Minnelli, who was very associated with doing theater on Broadway. They had her come out, and she was locked arm in arm with on on both sides with various New York policemen and New York firemen. Singing "New York, New York." Oh wow! And and she was giving uh, like some chorus line kicks, not really high, but it, it, it put some uh, pizzazz into the performance. Yeah. So uh, it, yeah, that's one I'll, I'll always remember. Yeah. And then Mike Mike Piazza hit a game winning home run, and it was significant because the Braves at the time were the, uh, the the number one nemesis of the Mets. So. Yeah yeah yeah
1: okay all right great thank you Andrew you're welcome okay do we have uh let's take a break and uh we have uh some uh Lee Elia <laughs> as much as that rant is insane I don't think anybody could top Leo rocher <laughs> all right uh more great moments in sports if you want to jump in 312-981-7200 what are your favorites uh and which ones do you remember and uh, we'll get back to it right here on seven twenty WGN.
12: So I'm back to the velvet under the floor.
1: Yeah, love that song too. Hello, it's Nick DiGilio on 720 WGN. We're live in the Skyline studio uh, here until 4. And uh, we would love to talk to you at 312-981-7200. Coming up, we'll have some uh, Carson comedy classics. We always play uh, a little bit of comedy from the Johnny Carson Show. You can watch the Johnny Carson Show every night on Antenna TV. And every morning uh, at 2.30, we play back some comedy, whether it's a sketch or an interview or some stand-up. And we're going to hear some stand-up from George Wallace. That's coming up uh, at 2.30. Uh, really dumb schemes that actually uh, people made money on, <laughs> and an elaborate pistachio scheme. I don't even know what that means. But uh, that's coming up, and the news is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. Right now we've been talking about some of the greatest moments in sports history. Uh, and uh, we played a little Leo DeRocher, Leo the Lip. So, uh, one of the other legendary rants made by a Cubs manager was in 1983, I think it was. And uh, and everybody remembers Everybody remembers the Lee Elia rant. Do we have a little bit of the Lee Elia rant?
8: I'll tell you one thing. I hope we get hotter than just to put up them 3,000 people that show up every day. Because if they're the real Chicago. Fans,
1: they can kiss my f- ass right downtown and print it <laughs> the rest of it uh, there's there's also a part where it's like uh they, don't these people work <laughs> they don't have a job that, and they just come here <laughs> that was huge that was huge uh, and really funny all right here's fran on wgn hi fran
13: Good morning. Prayers for Dad. Thank you. Um, I was at the stadium when Bobby Hall, on March uh, 12, 1966, hit the first 50th goal. I knew nothing about Blackhawks. My friend took me. Yeah. People threw everything on the ice. Yeah. I had one pair of shoes, and the guy next to me was looking at him, and I said, oh my God, please, no. It's the only <laughs> pair I
4: have.
10: But they threw everything on the ice. It was yeah. unbelievable.
13: Well,
1: the ba- that was back when the Madhouse on Madison, when it was really nuts. I mean, that the, oh. the old Chicago Going to a hockey game, going to a Hawks game at the old Chicago Stadium was nuts. I mean, oh my
10: God, standing room only. Yep, yeah,
1: oh I used to stand up. I used to stand oh up. In the, I used to stand up in the third balcony all the time at the old stadium <laughs> and see those games. Yeah. All right, Fran. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye. Yeah. You know, as as great as it is to you know to at some point we'll go back you know and hopefully go back to the UC and watch some live hockey. As great as it is to go to the UC and see a Hawks game, uh, those. Days at the Chicago Stadium were insane. They were absolutely insane. It's like the last days of Rome, man. It was nuts. And the smoke was everywhere because, you know, you could smoke inside the stadium. That so bl- that blows my mind. You're right looking there. through a haze of cigarette smoke down on the ice. <laughs> Especially if you're up. <laughs> yeah, Because right? we, we, we would just get, you know, standing room tickets and go up to the third balcony. Yeah, you're getting a nicotine buzz just from being oh, in there. Oh, it was insane. Crazy. And the crowds would go nuts. That's how it got the name, Madhouse on Madison. It was different when the Bulls played. Much calmer crowd. But for some reason, you know, hockey fans are nuts. All right. Uh, Some of the other greatest moments in sports. Jesse Owens dominates the 1936 Olympics. Is considered the fourth uh, greatest moment in sports. At uh, the 1936 Olympics in Berlin, Germany, American track and field athlete Jesse Owens dominated the competition. Owens claimed four gold medals in the 100 meters, 200 meters long jump and was a member of the gold medal winning American quartet that won uh, the uh, four times 100 meter relay. Um, why was his uh, performance so historic? Well, not only was Owens an African American man, who was dominating the rest of the world's best athletes. But Owens uh, also debunked the Aryan, uh, the Aryan myth. You see, Hitler used the 1936 Olympics to show the resurgence of Nazi Germany. Hitler and the Nazi propaganda thought that Aryans were a superior race and therefore African Americans were considered inferior. Yeah. How about this? Considered number three, Michael Jordan's final shot in a Bulls uniform. Was that the shot? Was that the, like the, f- in game six of the 1998 NBA Finals, the Chicago Bulls trailed the Utah Jazz in the last, the final minute of the game, trailing by a score of 86 to 85, and the game clock under 30 seconds, and the Jazz with possession of the ball. The Bulls needed a big play. Michael Jordan stole the ball from Jazz forward Carl Malone. He stole it from Carl Malone, yeah. And headed to the opposite end of the court with the Bulls needing to score. Jordan headed to the top of the key. With less than 10 seconds remaining, uh, he shook defender Brian Russell off, and with a crossover and a bit of a push, he nailed a, a mid-range jumper, giving the Bulls a slim 87-86 to 86 lead over the Jazz. The Jazz couldn't answer back, and Jordan's shot proved to be the difference in the game as the Bulls went on to win Game 6 and claim their sixth NBA title in eight years. Jordan had plenty of iconic, memorable plays in his career, but why does this one stand out? For starters, this shot clinched Jordan's sixth NBA championship. This shot was also the last shot Jordan ever took while wearing a Chicago Bulls uniform um, as Air Jordan fittingly went out on top. The shot is one of the most memorable and clutch shots in the history of basketball, and of course it was taken by the greatest athlete to ever live, Michael Jordan. That was huge. Uh, how about Hank Aaron breaks Babe Ruth's home run record? Mentioned a little bit earlier. It was April eighth. 18- 1974, Hammer and Hank Aaron clobbered home run number 715 into the left corner and broke the career home run record of 714 home runs that was once set by Babe Ruth. Aaron ended the 1973 season with 713 home runs and was afraid that he would not live to see the 1974 uh, season due to constant death threats he received from people who did not want to see a black man break a white man's record, especially one as glorious and meaningful as the all-time home run record in the uh, uh, major leagues. Fortunately, Aaron did live to see the 74th season and broke the home run record in front of a crowd of 53,775 in Atlanta. So, And this was only 27 years after uh, Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier in baseball. An African-American man now had become the proud owner of perhaps the most prolific record in all of baseball, and if not sports. With this accomplishment, Hank Aaron set new standards for African-Americans in sports, Uh, As he claimed the all-time home run record. Again, never forget uh, watching that. Never forget watching that. And then finally, um, this uh, author has chosen as number one, the greatest moments in sports history, the Miracle on Ice. Which I think is apropos. I think that makes sense. Um, The 1980 Miracle on Ice was, quite frankly, the greatest moment in the history of sports, along with the greatest upset in the history of sports as well. The United States Olympic hockey team was made up of a bunch of talented college players, but they were no match for uh, the USSR's Olympic hockey team, which had won the gold medal in '64, '68, '72, and '76, or so we thought. Only months before the game took place, the American team lost to the USSR team in a 10 to three drubbing, proving that Americans were far outmatched by the Soviets. The United States team proved how much they had improved, proved how much they had they had improved, though. At the time around, the Americans won the game score four to three, capping off the greatest upset in the history of sports, as well as the greatest moment in the history of sports. And it was David versus Goliath. So, you know, they made two movies about it. One was a TV movie, and the other one, obviously, was Kurt Russell, called Miracle. But the other one was called A Miracle on Ice. It was a TV movie, and Steve Gutenberg was in it. <laughs> Here's taxi driver, God. Bob. Go ahead, Bob.
10: Hey, I, I, it wasn't an actual play or anything, memorable uh, play, but uh, when I was in junior high, um, they had a trip that you'd go to Washington. I don't know if you had that in your, in your junior high or whatever, but my dad said, Well, would you want to go on that with your classmates, or do you want to go with me to New York, with my mom, to New York City? And I said, No, I want to go to New York City. So, um, we got to New York, and my dad had reservations in a hotel called the Essex house right on
1: central park yep i stay i've stayed there yeah. yep,
10: and so uh we checked our bags in we got to, we went to the desk, and all that straightened out and so we were going to the elevator and I kind of looked behind me and I see three really large uh black dudes behind us i didn't take a i didn't take a real good glance at it and a glance at the guys but um as they were walking to the elevator, it was Hank Hank Aaron, Earl Williams, who was a catcher for the for the Braves at that time, and one other player. And he gets in the same elevator that we were in. And um, I said, Dad, do you know who this is? He says, no. Was, this is Hammer and Hank. And so I was able to get his, his autograph. Oh, that's cool. And uh, my dad, uh, I, I don't know if I've ever told you, but my dad's hobby, one of my dad's hobbies was to write screenplays. And he used to—he wrote like uh, ten or twelve musical comedies, and um, so we we are actually were able to see Sugar yeah. on Broadway. Okay, and then all right, okay, stuff, Bob, I got to you know. get to
1: Bob. I got to get to the news. Thank you. No problem. you have okay, a good one, all right. And by the way, Al Michaels' call uh, on the Miracle on Ice. Do you believe in miracles? Legendary, absolutely legendary. Do you believe in miracles? Yep. All right. Uh, we are going to talk about some dumb schemes where people actually did make money. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred, and that's after the news.
7: Somewhere beyond the sea
3: Somewhere waiting for me My lover stands on golden stand. Sam watches the ships that go sailing
1: Somewhere ah, Behind yes.
4: the sea
1: she Hello, it's Nick DeGilio on 720 WGN Live in the Skyline studio here until 4 o'clock As we are every weekday um, morning from 11pm to 4am After 4 we head over to Bradley Place, the TV side of WGN Get some early morning news from that great team And then it's back here the one and only, the legendary Bob Surratt, who starts at five. You know Bob Surratt's a legend, right, Tom? He's a radio legend. You know that. I've I've been told. Yeah. I got. I received a memo the other day. I used to uh, listen to him. I don't want to make him sound that like he's old, but I used to listen to him when I was a kid. Hmm. On the Big 89. Mm-hmm. Yeah, playing that rock and roll stuff that kids are all listening to. You know, my mom didn't know that Records was John Landecker's middle name, speaking of that era. John Records Landecker. He's been filling in for Roe, hasn't he? Yeah, he's been filling in for Roe. He filled in for Bob for a bit. Yeah. For about a week, I want to say. John's John's a great guy. Yeah. Well, I told my mom, I was like, hey, you remember John, John Landecker, right? She's like, yeah, I used records, to love John. Records truly is my middle name. Well, yeah. And I said, yeah, John Records Landecker. And she's like, what? Like yeah, John Records Landecker and Records really it really is my middle name. She's like, oh, I didn't know that. That's that's kind of funny. I was like, I thought you listened to him back in the day. She's like, yeah, I did. To, that's what he used to say all the time. It's like that was that was the thing. Yeah, that was the bit. By the way, his daughter, terrific actress, Amy. Oh yeah, terrific Love Amy actress. Landecker. She's great. Um, all right. So I, I, I'm trying to wrap my mind around this headline here, and we're gonna read it, read the story. Listen, have you ever been a part of a scheme? You know, soliciting money online. You know, a lot of a lot of scam artists are doing that. You ever been a victim of that? You ever been a part of a scheme? Remember when uh, you would get emails from that uh, the, from the prince? What, the Nigerian prince? Yeah, the Nigerian prince. Yeah. That's asking for money. Mhm. That's a classic. Did people fall for that? They did. Yeah, in dro- some people in did. droves. Some people did. Some people did. Um you know, we talk about um, these kind of uh, these schemes or trying to get money from people online. We talk about it a lot with, uh, with Herb Weisbaum, mm-hmm. um, our uh, consumer guy. And it's rampant. And, um, you know, people get taken all the time. you got to be careful. you just got to be careful. So one arrested in, quote, an elaborate scheme to steal and resell, resell pistachios. in nuts and trailers recovered. This is a huge thing. Um, Well, pistachios are already pretty expensive. And the shells aren't red anymore. You know? Mm -hmm. They used to be red. They dye the shells red. And now they're not anymore. Nope, they're regular pistachio. They're like tan colored. But they used to be red. They used to be colored red, and you don't remember that. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> They've always just kind of looked like you know nuts. They look like yeah. They were nuts. they were dyed red. The shell, the outer shell, was, was dyed there a red. Particular reason why? Uh, there, 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 they, there was a reason. I think we discussed discussed this before. There was a reason why they were dyed red. Um. It, I I can't remember what it was. I think uh, it had to it do was, with shipping. Well, uh here here's what it is. This is from <laughs> nuts.com. Yeah, man, nuts. <laughs> Who doesn't love a nice nut? Nut. Yeah, a nice sack of nuts. Um Due to antiquated harvesting methods, nutshells were often left with ugly stains and splotches. Foreign pistachio producers dyed the pistachios with a bright red color in an effort to hide the stains and make the nuts more appealing to consumers. Oh, okay. So they just wanted you—they wanted you to find their nuts appealing. Yeah. Well, that's going to be on the show tomorrow. Um, so, so, uh, yeah, so they were red, and you remember the scene in uh, in uh, Naked Gun. Mm-hmm. when they're on the stakeout, right. and he's eating pistachios, Candace. and his, his mouth is all red, right. his fingers are all red, and then he opens up the car door, and there's like a mountain of, of empty pistachios. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pista- I love pistachios. I think they're great. Yeah, they're right. They're not my favorite type of I, I thing. And I like pistachio ice cream, too.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, agriculture detectives... Rec- agriculture detectives... Orion's got to be in on this. Is this a th- Is that a real, that's a thing? Agriculture detectives. Agriculture detectives. I didn't realize that that was a thing. Look that up. Agriculture detectives recently arrested a Fresno man involved in elaborate scheme to steal and resell pistachios as other arrests are expected as more than $350,000 in stolen nuts and trailers are recovered according to uh, the county sheriff's office. Detectives were called to Seton Pistachio in Terabella on August 14th for a possible cargo theft," said spokeswoman Ashley Ritchie. Arriving detectives found the suspect stole the entire uh, stole the identity of a legitimate trucking company. Then they used that company's name to secure contracts for the delivery of two trailer tractor trailer loads of pistachios worth more than $294,000. Holy cow. This is a caper. (laughs) Instead of delivering the product, the suspects took the pistachios to an abandoned property in Selma where they removed the packaging. They then sold the nuts to an unsuspecting buyer in Madera County. Detectives found the suspects developed an elaborate scheme to carry out their plan, Richie said. The suspects used a big rig, and stole two trailers from a Fresno business. The trailers were equipped with real-time GPS trackers. Deputies contacted the owner of the company and were able to track down the suspects as well as the all of the pistachios in the stolen trailers. As the crime scene spanned three counties, multiple law enforcement agencies were able to track down... Uh, Bahavna Singh Sikhan, 23, of Fresno, is a suspect responsible for the theft, said Richie. He was found at his home, arrested and booked into the county jail on charges of grand theft, looting, identity theft, and conspiracy. Detectives expect additional arrests will take place, and they found more evidence linking Sikhan to the thefts at his house. In total, detectives recovered $294,000 in pistachios and $60,000 in trailers. That's quite the caper. The pistachio caper, as they're going to call it, when they make a movie out of it. Who Who's going to be in this? I, I'm going to say Liam Neeson, minimum. Liam Neeson? Yeah, Liam Neeson as an agricultural law enforcer. Agricultural detective. Yeah. Yeah. What, do you, what do you smell over there, Detective Neeson? Bananas. Yeah, okay. All right, so that's a scheme right there and we're going to talk now about uh, some dumb schemes that people actually made money on and if you've ever been a part of a scheme or had to uh, you know you know been been uh, taken speaking of <laughs> Liam Neeson, been taken by a uh, by a kind of a uh, a scheme cuz they happen online all the time you got to be careful as we always discuss with Herb Weissbaum. Uh, we want to hear your story at 312-981-7200 312-981-7200 right here on 720 WGN Sorry. Still thinking about Leo DeRocher and his, qu- his quote. Oh. Hey, it's Nick DeGilio on 720 WGN. Uh, in just a few minutes after the 230 news, we always play some classic Johnny Carson bits, whether it's a sketch or an interview or some stand up. And uh, we'll play some stand up from George Wallace on the, on the Tonight Show. And you can watch the Johnny Carson Show every night on Antenna TV. And then every morning at 2.30 we play back some uh, classic comedy from Johnny Carson. 312-981-7200, have you ever heard of some really goofy schemes in order to get get people's money? If you ever have been a part of it or if you remember some sort of legendary ones. Like the uh, Nigerian Prince thing. That was everywhere in the late 90s, right? yeah i'd say so it was it was probably the earliest example of an email scheme i can think of that's the first one that would pop into my mind yeah that or like those chain letters you used to get yeah where it's like mary sue you know died on this day yeah. and she died looking into the mirror and if you don't look into the mirror and send this to 10 friends yeah you're going to die well that was an actual the you know back in the day they were actually mailed like real letters oh literal chain letters oh yeah I did not I, that I did not know. Oh about, yeah, no sense. that was that was a real thing. They were real letters that were mailed, you know, through the post office and in, in your mailbox. All right. So here are some schemes here that people actually made money on. And if you want to jump in with the, if you you know know remember some legendary uh, schemes, or if you've ever been a part of one, three one two nine eight one seven two hundred, it's the team Hochberg phone line three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. Um, this is from. Did you know facts dot com? What what do you find on Did you know facts.com? facts dot com? Facts? Yeah, I'm going to give you two guesses. You get facts. You get some fun facts. I've never heard of this uh, website. Did you know facts dot com? You go there often? Do I go there often? Uh, when I'm looking for some facts, sometimes. <laughs> well, that seems to be the place to go if you're looking for facts. Yeah, I don't trust Wikipedia. Um, the uh, author here says, I've never attempted to solicit money from the masses online, so I'm not really sure how it works. Um, I've supported friends, music and film projects in the past, but these stories, uh, from ask Reddit about people asking for cold, hard, uh, cold, hard cash for the most ridiculous reasons really blew me away. All right. Are we ready for this? The first one, Tinder for adoptions. What does that mean? Tinder's a dating uh, app, right? Mm -hmm. So imagine instead of swiping for dates, swiping for children. Okay, that's ridiculous. Uh, If you've ever been on the dating app Tinder, you know it allows you to swipe left if you find a potential mate unappealing or right if you want to meet up. Well, someone managed to raise $4,000 online to create a similar program except instead of adults you get to swipe left or right on children in your area who are up for adoption. That is ridiculous. And they ended up getting $4,000 out of people. The proposed idea was called Adoptly and was meant to speed up the adoption process. In other words, in the words of the developers, once you've created a parenting profile, simply set your search criteria and Adoptly... (laughs) will instantly filter through your our database, bringing the broadcast range of adoptable kids straight to your fingertips. Just swipe right if you're interested and left to keep looking. And if a kid, through their agency or foster care, likes you back, it's a ma- it's a match. All those uncomfortable feelings you're experiencing right now, apparently they never occurred to the people who pitched this idea or the people who funded it. The campaign fell well short of its $150,000 goal and that's probably a good thing adoption probably shouldn't be as easy as arranging a one-night stand in college uh, on the bright side the only comment on the Kickstarter page reads no way this is real so maybe it was all an elaborate joke but they ended up getting four they ended up getting four grand from people online there's a scheme. Uh, And we're talking about schemes. You ever been a part of one? Do you remember some of the classic ones? 312-981-7200. Adoptly? Yeah, that seems like a pretty bad idea. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't even know how they made a dime on that, but they got $4,000 out of some people. Well, you know, it's that thing where the the sort of tech startup culture, if someone presents you with an idea, you think you can... Get in at the bottom level, Or maybe you're desperate. You know, maybe some people... The adoption process is long and arduous. Yeah. Although probably for good reason, because you're adopting a human child. Right. You know, I I wouldn't want to treat that with the same flippancy that I treat Tinder dates. Yeah. Can you imagine having to explain to your kid that that's how how they came into your life? I got you from Adoptly Tinder. (laughs) Mommy, Daddy... Where do babies come from? Well, son, uh, when, yeah, when a mommy and a daddy love each other very much, they sit down on their phone and flip blithely through pictures of children and decide which one they want, kind of like a McDonald's breakfast sandwich. I can't. Uh, I mean, I seriously can't believe that anybody would believe that. Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, we we are. I talking mean, there about, are gullible people out there yeah. for sure, and 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 I know there are a lot of people who go through the go through the internet and get taken a lot. I mean, like I said, we talk about this with Herb all the time. Um, If you've been a part of a scheme or you remember some of the sort of maybe legendary ones, 312-981-7200. All right, here's the next one. It's just called This Is Outrageous. There's another scheme here. A man named Zach Brown. Isn't Zach Brown, isn't there a musician named Zach Brown? There is. What's he do? He plays the guitar he's a country music country singer. guy right yeah I saw him once I saw him I think I saw him on sNL yeah he was probably on sNL i I remember guy. I remember liking him yeah it was good man yeah not, not bad I watched him do uh the devil went down to georgia that was pretty good yeah no he's good it's not the same guy though I don't want people to <laughs> think that the musician Zach Brown is doing some schemes it's a different Zach brown altogether so a man named Zach Brown started a campaign asking for $10 to make potato salad. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Let me let me repeat that <laughs> just so you make sure you heard it right. A man named Zach Brown started a campaign asking for $10 to make potato salad. This is the one you told me about off the air. Listen to this. He raised $55,492 by the time the campaign ended. That's a lot of potato salad. $55,000 worth of potato salad. Was it the mayonnaise-based potato salad, or was it the vinegar-based potato salad? Do we know? (sighs) That's a good question. Hoping it was mayonnaise-based. I'm a big fan of the mayonnaise-based. It would be more expensive to make the mayonnaise base mm-hmm. it with the vinegar base because vinegar is pretty cheap. Mm-hmm. Mayonnaise, though, that's white gold. <laughs> <laughs> um, $10 for potato salad. He raised $55,492 by the time the campaign ended. Uh, he eventually wrote a potato salad cookbook, so at least he did something to earn the money. Still, though, ask and you shall receive. A potato salad cookbook? What would that consist of recipes for potato salad? It would be my first guess, well,, yeah. or using potato salad in recipes I mean, yeah, there's a lot of things you could probably do with potato salad or style you know there's there's potato salad with raisins in it yeah there's uh actually, I don't think I can't think of any other variations of potato salad other than mayonnaise or vinegar based, yeah. And then, I mean, what you put potatoes? I like them both. I like I like the, both the mayonnaise and the and the vinegar based. I'm open to the idea. I think either. I prefer the mayonnaise, mm-hmm. but uh, but I still enjoy. It's, it's it's thicker. It's creamier. Yeah. You like macaroni salad? I do like a bit of macaroni. I love salad. macaroni mm-hmm. salad. We get it at the, at the Jewel, the Chef's Kitchen. They've got great macaroni salad at the at Chef's Kitchen at Jewel. It's good stuff. Yeah. Last time I was when I was staying with my folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, they went my dad went over to the jewels and uh, got a bunch of cold cuts and a big tub of macaroni jewel salad. macaroni salad and I was in heaven. Whew. It's nothing like a nice cold cut sandwich and a big pile of macaroni salad on the side. I'm making myself hungry now. Yeah, dude, I'm starving. Right. <laughs> what have you done? I don't know. Well anyway, you can get a you can get this potato salad cookbook from Zach Brown. He ended up with $55,492 just because he wanted to make potato salad. <laughs> All right. Okay, more crazy schemes coming up uh, after the 2.30 news and also some stand-up uh, from uh, The Carson Show with George Wallace. That's coming up, but let's get to the Nick DeGilio is me. 312 981 7200. Is it funny? All right. Sorry. Yeah. No, that's, that was just funny. All right. Made me laugh. 312 981 7200. We're going to get back to the conversation about dumb schemes that people actually made money on. If you remember some sort of legendary schemes that were making the, making the rounds, or if you've been a part of one, uh, we want to hear your story at 312 981 7200. Right now, we take a break for some comedy. We could all use a laugh or two during this time. I love Johnny Carson, and you can watch the Johnny Carson show on Antenna TV every night. So we like to play some comedy directly from the Johnny Carson show. Sometimes it's a sketch, sometimes it's an interview, and sometimes it's stand-up, which is the case. Do we have the year on this one? 1980. Ooh. Okay. Going way back for George Wallace because he's still working. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's still, still working. Still always out there. Yeah. He's funny as hell, super funny. So uh, this is from 1980. It's from the Johnny Carson show. Again, you can watch it every night on Antenna TV. This is some vintage stand-up from the very funny George Wallace.
8: Hello, good evening, good evening. How you doing? That's great. That's what we're here for—to have a good time. Greetings from New York City. Yeah. You ever notice you mentioned New York City or Chicago, people always applause? How about a hand for the great people right here in the state of California? That's good. That's good because you people are the people I want to talk to. Why do you people drive so fast? Where's everybody going in such a hurry? Everybody's going zoom, zoom, like a bat out of hell. There's a game out here you people play. You call it drive and cuss. You got hand signals and everything. And you all like to play this game, that's why you all live 50 miles from where you work. <laughs> just so you can play the game. Now, I don't believe in drugs, but I do think there should be a pharmacist on every unramp to give you suckers two Valium just to calm you down before you get on that freeway. Huh? Everybody's driving like crazy. One thing you've got in California we don't have back in New York. Put your foot on the street, everybody stops for you. What a lot. <laughs> your foot on this that thing fascinates me sometimes for the hell of it I just go (laughs) now you try that in New York your head would be a hood on me. can you picture my head on a white Rolls Royce (laughs) and Rolls I have never seen so many Rolls Mercedes Porsches in my life gas guzzlers we've got to get rid of these gas guzzlers what we need now are disposable cars we need big cars, <laughs> Gillette cars. Drive them around for two weeks. They run out of gas. Throw them away. Matter of fact, everything should be disposable, right? We should even have disposable girlfriend and boyfriends. Use them once. Get rid of them. Just like in real life. <laughs> Crazy world, isn't it? Crazy world. And I got my driver's license not too long ago out here. Crazy questions on the test. Question fourteen. You took the test. It says. If an old man is walking across the street, what do you do? A, (laughs) swerve. B, apply brakes. C, teach him a lesson. (laughs) It's crazy, well, and you know what? I thought all the freaks lived in New York City. You got some freaks right here in California. Especially in Hollywood. Everybody's a freak in Hollywood. Even the doctors are freaks in Hollywood. You ever go to a doctor in Hollywood, he gives you a shot, gives himself one too. (laughs) churches are freakish. I went to one church, they had six commandments and four do the best you can. Mm-hmm. They're all freaks. I don't even want to mention the freakish L.A. cops. Did you read last month where the cops shot this man and killed him? Then the cop said it was in self-defense because the man was on his way home to get a gun. They're all freaks. Now, don't misunderstand me now. We still have some freaks back in New York. Yes, we do. A freak came up to me last week in Central Park and put a gun right to my head. He says, who are you for, Reagan or Carter? I thought about it for a minute. I said, go ahead and shoot. Go ahead and shoot. That's a crazy one. Some of the crazy things. I just flew out here on one of those discount airlines. $99. Now, with a fare like that, you know they're cutting back on something. First of all, you got to bring your own toilet paper. You see, the airline doesn't have a schedule. It just waits for like two or three hundred people to get together and they say, uh, where you going, mister?
4: <laughs>
8: Chicago? Go ahead and get on. <laughs> How about you, mister? Where you going? Cleveland? Go ahead and get on. <laughs> we don't stop, but we'll push you off. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> and we're flying along for about two hours. The pilot comes back, wakes me up, and tells me it's my turn to fly the plane. <laughs> what do you mean, my turn to fly the plane? He says, with a fail like this, everybody's got to take turns flying the plane. I said, what about that blind guy over there? He says, don't worry about him. He already flew his two out. I hate these discount airlines. You see, they not only lose luggage, they lose passengers. I heard the man explain Now, listen, I know your mother was on this flight, but these things happen. So you just have to file a claim. Then he took out, took out a little chart and said, did she look like any of these other mothers here? Say, was she a new bag on old bag? <laughs> I hate these cheap discount airlines. I flew one about three months ago up to Tahoe. I'm up there at Sahara Hotel. 1,800 people in the room, still snowing, believe it or not. I asked a question, anybody ski today? Yeah, 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 we ski, we ski. Some dumb in the audience stands up, shouts out, how come you don't see more black people skiing? I told him, hell, I guess it's hard to ski with a pole in one hand and a radio in another, you know? <laughs>
1: Funny. Still funny. This guy is still funny. You know, I love his delivery. Um, I saw him at Zaney's um, years ago, and he was just great. He was just great. Still working too. You can still see him on TV doing his thing. That's a that's a classic uh, stand-up comedian right there. Hey, listen for tomorrow, uh, Friday at two thirty in the morning. When we play our Carson Comedy Classics. It's going to be a fun one because it'll be Ray Romano's first appearance on The Tonight Show. Ray Romano's first appearance on The Tonight Show. So, I I guess I rediscovered how, how funny Everybody Loves Raymond is. Because I never really watched it regularly. I've been watching it now. And it's also a really sweet show. Oh, Incredibly. You know, like every episode I've watched, I'm like wow, that's really nice. That's really sweet. It's also very funny. You know, my dad always used to love it because it reminded him of his own life. From when he, when I was really little, we lived right next to my grandparents' house. Oh boy, it was literally the house right next door over did, on the northwest side. Did his brother live with them? No. Oh, <laughs> he didn't. Was his brother a cop? No. Yeah, he, I think his his roommate, Big Tony, had moved out after. After that, after he got married and they had me, but um, my my grandmother and grandfather would just show up out of the blue. Yeah, and it was just the whole. Uh, the when whole it was thing. that that show was, it was, so the, it was sh- the show was very very funny. Deborah, and you got to love you got to love um, Peter Boyle. Peter Peter Boyle's amazing. He's unbelievable. He's unbelievable, and and so you know who's great on that show? Who I think is like the kind of the the core of the show, Patricia Heaton. Oh yeah, Patricia. I mean. And the career she got to have following that. Yeah. Because she the, was on the middle, the for middle years. The middle was huge. Yeah. Huge show. Yep. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, there you go. So we'll play some more uh, Carson comedy. All right. Uh, phone lines are open. We want to get back into the uh, talking about dumb schemes that people actually made money on. Do you remember any sort of the legendary schemes that were making the rounds? And you ever been a part of one? We want to hear your story at 312-981-7200. I got some uh, weather for you. Today, breezy, hot, humid. Uh, We'll have some cumulus uh, clouds. Scattered afternoon or evening thunderstorms are possible. Uh, High of 95. Tonight, partly cloudy, warm, muggy. Uh, Several clusters of uh, thunderstorms. Some capable of uh, downpours with a low of 78. For tomorrow, Friday, clouds mixed with sun continue hot and humid. Clusters of uh, showers and thunderstorms. High 92. Temperatures will vary um, in and near the thunderstorms. For Saturday, mostly sunny, fairly windy, cooler, and less humid with a high of 84. Well, that sounds more like it. Sunday, sunny, comfortable, high of 79, and cooler near the lake. And then Monday, clouding over, windy, growing prospects for showers or thunderstorms, and a high of 78. So we just got to get through a couple of uh, couple of hot days and some rainy hot days, and then we'll cool off a little bit. Um, O'Hare right now, 80 degrees at O'Hare, 79 at Midway, and 78 at the lakefront. All right. We'll take a quick break, and uh, when we come back, we'll get back to the conversation about dumb schemes that people actually actually made money on. And uh, we want to hear from you. Have you ever uh, been taken by a scheme? Have you? Do you remember some of the more legendary schemes that were uh, making the rounds? Call us at 312-981-7200. Hey, it's Nick DiGilio on 720 WGN. Um, We're live in the uh, Skyline studio here until 4 o'clock. We are going to jump back into the conversation about dumb schemes that people actually made money on, and they're all real, and we want to talk about some of the schemes that maybe you've been a part of or the legendary ones that you remember. And uh, we're also going to talk about some of the crazy ways that people have saved their own lives. And a California man used cans of Bud Light to put out, a wild fi- put out a wildfire. And the news is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. All right, uh, if you want to jump in here, we're talking about some schemes, some famous schemes, and uh, I've got uh, an article here that details some of the dumb schemes people actually ended up making money on. Uh, let's go to the phones. Here's Ike. Go ahead, Ike. Hey, Nick. How's it
3: going
11: with you, man? All right. Okay, this is a big example how the quarantine can let out the worst of people than the best because a lot of people are at home trying to get money and they can't work and this is this is a total goldmine for these type of scumbags. You, you've heard of Cash App, right? Yeah. Well, there's these Facebook pages
3: that you can that, that you can go on uh, these these Cash App Facebook pages where people are supposed to give you money if you're in a jam, and I, I was a victim of that. I gave them I gave them money. And they gave me, I gave them money, but they didn't give me any
11: money back. I was like, this, I can't
1: believe it. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, we talk about this all the time uh, when we have uh, when we have uh, Herb Weisbaum on about how these guys have no conscience and the and and the the criminals, you know, even during a pandemic and when people are filled with anxiety, they they take advantage of it. Uh, so that's what happened. I'm sorry that happened to you, Ike. Have a good night. Thanks for calling. Uh, here's Beth on WGN. Hi, Beth.
14: Good night, Nick. I mean, hello, Nick. Hi. Um, I'm a little north of the border, so it's been some troubling times. I'm glad to hear you tonight. Okay. Um, so, first of all, the biggest scheme. Um, my mom told me she made that macaroni salad from the Jules.
1: Oh, I see. Okay, so you, when you were a kid, no. you were, you were a kid. You yeah. said that she was telling you that yeah, she, she actually took made it
14: out of the bucket and put it in a bowl. Oh <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> yeah.
14: No, but remember, I can draw a cat. Uh yes, I do. Yeah, the guy would make stick figure cats and sell them for ten dollars, and people actually bought them.
1: Yeah, that's uh, there, there, there are a lot of gullible people out there, uh, Beth. No, I think they just really wanted the little
14: cat. I mean, people knew what it was; you could see what it was, right?
1: Uh, I guess I don't. I didn't yeah. buy any, Beth, so I don't know.
14: I didn't buy one either if I want to draw a cat I have a pencil
1: okay all right thanks but the Beth
14: other thing is, is that hang on Tom and I were talking about the difference between a scheme and a prank
1: uh-huh a,
14: a scheme means you make money on it right but a prank was whenever us kids were old enough to go look for worms we'd go snipe hunting so my father would make us standing in the front yard or in the backyard. With a flashlight in a bag and we had to yell, here's snipe, here snipe, here snipe he would say, Now I'll go around to the front yard and beat the snipes out of the bushes so that you can run around and get in your back. Okay. <laughs> I don't, I don't, yeah.
1: yeah. I don't understand any of what you just said, Beth. <laughs> you never heard of the snipe hunt? Absolutely not. It's uh it's an old trick where if you're going Thanks, Beth. If you're going camping, like your dad takes you out camping, he sends you on a snipe hunt no idea what that is it's it's never heard of it i've been alive for 55 years and i've never heard well it's a it's a it's a fictional gag to make you believe that there's like this thing out there called the snipe and you have to go find it and it's just a wild goose chase
8: Uh there's no such thing as
1: a snipe well no so you you, that's what happens you go out and you're looking for a snipe what what's the point to watch kids just hopelessly look for something that doesn't exist that's really sweet that's good parenting (laughs) all right uh we got more schemes here and if you want to be uh you want to talk to us about maybe some of the more famous ones or maybe something that you were a part of 312-981-7200 how about this one tom when the powerball lottery jackpot made it to 1.6 billion dollars this one family used all their food and bill money to buy tickets convinced that a couple of hundred or thousand tickets would guarantee that they would win even though the odds were two hundred and ninety million to one. Surprised they didn't win. So now they had no money for food, gas, and bills for the rest of the month. What do they do? They start a GoFundMe asking people to help them out, maybe even raise enough to try the lottery again the following week. Come on, man. You play the lottery, time? Um, not really. No. I think the only time I've ever bought a lottery ticket was uh when I graduated from high school. I went and bought a lottery ticket just cuz I thought it would be fun. Uh-huh. Um, I've done the scratch offs here and there. I've done scratch offs here and there, but I, went, I don't like, play like like 5 bucks or play something the, like that. The actual regular like drawings lottery. Yeah. I think the most I ever won on a scratch off was I won $15 and I went and I bought McDonald's breakfast for everyone. Wow. That was it. Well, who 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 was everyone? I uh, me and like Two other people yeah because 15 bucks is not going to buy a whole room full of people they got some deals over at that McDonald's yeah uh all right how about this this is uh somebody saying hey the dad of a buddy of mine uh dude worked a nine to five until the day his youngest kid turned 18 then he went full hippie he has no money he's constantly on Facebook saying stuff like oh wow that trip looks fun wish I could go Or if someone posts a picture of their pet, he'll comment, If we had more money, we could have saved our dear old dog, Bessie. One day, he got the fancy idea to start a GoFundMe with the title, We Need Your Support to Survive. He posts uh, it on his Facebook five to ten times a day. After a while, when he had only raised $37.50 in funds, he started to message the link to everyone. Did you see the link? Are you going to support? It started there. It ended up leaving him um, leaving comments on people's pictures. Oh, you seem to have enough money for a night out. Wish some of that money would find its way to my GoFundMe, and it continued. And this guy says it was unbelievable. <laughs> oh man, GoFundMe three uh, one two nine eight one seven two hundred. If you've uh, if you remember some of these uh, big scams that were out, I mean, you know. Now that everybody's online and we all go to the internet, we all do the social uh, pages. Um, we, people are a lot of people are more vulnerable now, especially older people who don't really know how to navigate the internet. Um, okay, here's another one. A girl I went to high school with made a GoFundMe with a goal of four thousand dollars so that she could go to Spain for a photography chip trip. She goes to a state college, her parents pay her tuition, and she drives around in a Range Rover. Let's help her out. Let's, let's help her get to Spain for that photography trip. A goal of four grand. I wonder how much she got. There's a lot of crazy GoFundMes out there. That, uh, that you probably shouldn't uh, you know, send money to. I think that would be like a regular thing, right? So uh, 312-981-7200 is the phone number. Do you remember any famous schemes? Have you ever been a part of uh, a scheme? 312-981-7200. That's our uh, number. Our phone lines are open. We'll jump back into the conversation here in a few minutes. Uh, We've got some more schemes here. Uh, it, that uh, I think one of the more memorable ones that we've gone through here. I mean, there's some of these are just goofy, but I still think that the Zach Brown campaign asking for ten dollars to make potato salad and then ended up raising fifty five thousand four hundred ninety two dollars by the end of the campaign. That one might be. That one might 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 take the cake. That one just might take the cake. And the detail that the guy's name is Zach Brown, I think, is pretty funny too. So, oh yeah. Uh, more crazy and stupid schemes. If you have ever been a part of one or you remember sort of some legendary ones, we'll get into that. Uh, we'll tell you the story about a California man who uses cans of Bud Light to put out a wildfire and then some crazy ways that people have saved their own lives. That's coming up, but we're going to continue talking about some of these dumb schemes. And if you've ever, you, re- you remember any, or have you ever been a part of one, uh, we would love to hear from you, uh, right here on, uh, WGN 312-981-7200, 312 Nine eight one seven two hundred and uh, more scheme, convert scheme, yeah, scheme conversation to come. Uh, but let's get to the news.
4: Oh, yeah.
1: All right. Dick DiGiulio here on 720 WGN. Live in the Skyline studio till 4 o'clock as we are uh, every weekday, night into morning, 11 p.m. to 4 a.m. Uh, following this show at 4 o'clock, headed over to uh, Bradley Place, the TV side of WGN. Get some news and uh, information and early morning news uh, from that great team. And then uh, back here at 5, morning drive with the one and only Bob Surratt. 312-981-7200. That's our phone number. We would love to hear from you if you remember scams or schemes, some uh, sort of legendary ones. And uh, we've got some of the uh, dumbest schemes here that people actually made money on, uh, including a guy who uh, raised uh, $55,000 because he started a campaign for 10 bucks, asking for $10 for, for, to make potato salad. <laughs> so some of these are very ridiculous. Uh, yeah, we want to hear from you at 312 981 That's the Team Hockburn phone line. Uh, all right. Let's get back to some of this. Uh, these are real. A, a A family I know were literally trying to raise money online to buy themselves a new car because they had run their son over with the old one. The kid died. It's the most tasteless, insensitive thing that I've ever seen in my life. Okay, that's just crazy. That is just crazy. Oh, man. Raising money to buy their new, new, a new car because they ran over their son with the old one. Wow. All right. Uh, here's another uh, another one. I know this Christian fundamentalist couple who made a big deal that the wife would never need to work outside of the home once they were married. I guess that was part of their faith that women women shouldn't have to earn a living or something. They filmed the whole congregation of their church going into her office on her last day of employment to, quote-unquote, bring her home for good. It was just very bizarre, but not, that's not the most bizarre part. After they married, the husband decided... To make some extra money on the side by exporting firearms without a license and falsifying export documents. Very religious man. He got caught was sent to prison. So they started to go fund me to raise money so that the wife still didn't have to work. That's just bizarre. Absolutely bizarre. 312 981 7200. That's our phone number if you know of any. Uh, if you know of any schemes that you remember, some uh, some sort of like classic schemes, or if you've been part of them, uh, had one happen to you? You ever get uh, p- pulled into a scheme, in there, uh, Tom? Well, it's not technically a scheme, but uh, I would say when I was a Cub Scout and I had to sell popcorn. That's not a scheme. It's not a scheme, but it felt like one. You have to buy all this, buy all this popcorn try to sell it so wait cub scouts you sell popcorn yeah we were always a step behind the girl scouts because come on the girl scouts have the cookies they've got great cookies they're amazing cookies yeah they're they've literally branded you know they've licensed them out it's a multi-million dollar business here yeah boy scout popcorn i mean it's good popcorn they've got gourmet stuff you know like so the the, the boy scouts were like uh we got to come up with something popcorn (laughs) <laughs> like I said, it's decent popcorn It's pretty good popcorn Now, was it microwave popcorn? No, 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 no It would come in like a tin You know what I mean? Oh, and it, so like Garrett's Like Garrett's, yeah, yeah Yeah And they would have they would have Chicago mix You know, your cheese and caramel Ooh, And then uh, That's but they would good do, stuff They had like dessert popcorn It was like coated in chocolate It wasn't bad popcorn It's just that You know, most of the time When you're going door to door Yeah They're like, oh, sorry I spent all my money On these delicious Girl Scout cookies you know, um, I was lucky enough to have gone to many Hawks games and sat in a box, a private box, many times. And when you're in the private box at the UC, you know, you have food and mm-hmm. there's a, you know, you got beer. Chicken tenders. Yeah. Um, they had lobster mac and, mac and cheese. Oh, I would eat the hell out of that. Anyway, the, the dessert cart comes by each suite. And you can go in and just go nuts and get a bunch of dessert. Uh, but I'm not a big dessert guy. But what they also had on the dessert cart was bags of Garrett popcorn, which are irresistible. Oh god, I get a, I'd get a bag and it's the Chicago mix, and I'd get a bag of that and just chow down on it. Yeah. So anyway. Uh, hold on 312-981-7200 is the phone number we're talking about scams and schemes have you ever been a part of one do you remember some of the legendary ones all of the ones that I'm reading are uh, are real they all they all happened and so if you've ever been a part of a scam or you remember some sort of legendary ones call us up we want to hear from you 312-981-7200 Hey, it's Nick DiGiolio on WGN. So, Tom, obviously, you've seen Saturday Night Fever, right? Yep. Now, when Saturday Night Fever came out in 1977, at the end of 1977, it became obviously a phenomenon. The, The disco craze kicked off because of it. It wasn't just a very popular movie. It changed culture. So I don't know if this has ever happened before. Maybe it has. But because it was so popular... Um and it was rated R, a hard R. You've seen it. That's a, that's an R-rated movie. <laughs> um so Paramount who released it. I don't really know if this has ever been done since unless somebody knows. They released a PG-rated version of it so that they could make more money so kids could see it. Deadpool 2. Oh, that's right. Deadpool 2, right. They t- took a page right out of Saturday Night Fever. Yeah. And they cleaned up with it because kids wanted to see it. I, of course, saw the R-rated version because my parents, <laughs> they, they, you know, they took, me to see, they took me to see it. I saw 9,000 R-rated movies by the time I was seven. But, yeah, they released the PG-rated version because they wanted kids to see it. Then they did, like, a family-friendly ad campaign for it, and they made a second round of money cuz that mo- that movie was huge. That movie was huge. But yeah, um I don't I, I just I'd forgotten about Deadpool 2. Did Deadpool 2 make money, Brady PG? Um yeah, it did alright, but most of those kids were getting into the R-rated yeah. version. The, look, when I saw when I saw both Deadpool's, you know, the theaters had kids in them. Yeah, I, I didn't, when I was working, because that came out when I was still working in a movie theater, yeah. and um, I didn't let any kids in. I, put, I I mean, I petitioned management, I was like, put a sign out there, if they're under the age of 17 and not accompanied by a parent, Yeah, or, or a guardian of some sort, uh, an adult at the very least, uh, that isn't some guide that they got off the street to buy them a ticket, yeah. which at that point, really... Um, but uh, I was just like, yeah, if you're not here with your parents, I'm not letting you into that movie. I'm not being responsible for that. Yeah. Uh, all right. We're, we're talking about uh, scams and uh, and schemes. Some of the more famous ones, if you want to jump in, 312-981-7200, if you remember some of them or you've been a part of them. We still have more uh, schemes from this uh, article that people actually made money on, surprisingly. Here's Mike on WGN. Go ahead, Mike.
7: Yeah, when I was in the Navy before I retired out in Virginia Beach, there was this guy and his wife worked at one of the local banks, and she used to talk about how much money was in the night deposits on Monday morning during the big tourist season from all the bars. Well, he built a thing that looked like a a safe, and him and a couple of his buddies went by, and they set it in front of the bank about 11 o'clock at night, and they put a sign up saying night deposit. Oh, my God. Put Put inside night deposit. Well, then they went back about 4 in the morning, and threw it in the truck, and they say there was hundreds of thousands of oh, dollars my they God. come up with. And the feds couldn't get involved because it never made it to the bank. It had to be handled by the local
1: police. Oh, that's crazy. That's absolutely <laughs> well, I mean, that's absolutely so many crazy. They
7: just pulled up and seen night deposit out of order. a yeah. you know, big safe-looking thing. They just opened the slot and
1: dropped it right in. Oh, man. Oh, man. Well, so, do we know what what happened after that? Were there consequences for these guys?
7: Well, he told me about it years later that he done it, but they never got caught.
1: They never got caught.
7: They was two Navy divers.
1: <laughs> that's crazy. That is a crazy. That's a crazy story, he, Mike. He
7: didn't tell about those statute limitations. I thought it.
1: Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mike. Thanks, buddy. All right, All right, take care. Can you believe that? Yeah. Phony night deposit. They set up a phony night deposit safe and then got away with hundreds of thousand dollars. Absolutely genius. Oh, you know what? Here's a good. Here was a good grift. From when I was working, uh, the movie theater, uh, we had this guy who we we kept a stack of free passes, and we'd give them out. Like if you got, we had a hole punch pro rewards program. We've got enough hole punches, or something, yeah, yeah, you get a free pass. Yeah, and this was at the and, four. You used to work at the four hundred theater yes. in Rogers Park. Yes. Oh God, if they find out, they'll kill me. Anyway, um, <laughs> so what he would do is, uh, you know, we had a button on our on our POS system. You know, for yeah. adult ticket, kid ticket, senior ticket, whatever, and there was one for free pass, zero dollars. So what he would do is someone would come in, "I want to see a movie, eight fifty, please." He'd take the eight fifty, he'd ring it in as a pass. It would print a ticket so they could go in, and then he'd pocket the eight. Oh man, that was a real that was a real serious grift that went on for. A while. Wow, man. And they only got caught because we started looking at the readouts at the end of the night. The managers would see it, and they'd be like, how are there so many passes? Yeah. He was he was too greedy. He was far too greedy. And he got greedy. caught. He got caught. Uh, no charges were pressed. They but just, he was fired. They, oh, yeah. They fired the hell out of him. Yeah. Oh, my God. Never saw it, head or tail of him ever again. There was a girl that worked at, when I worked at McDonald's, and of course, this was a very long time ago. When I worked at McDonald's, there was a girl who got busted for not ringing things up. And just taking the money yeah. and, and pocketing it, and not, and not putting it in the drawer—classic grift. And I'll tell you something else. That's hard to do at McDonald's because everything—you well, you gotta send it back, right? You gotta well, send back the order. Yeah. Well, it's not just that, but she would she would like write the order down instead of ringing it up, because you can't. I mean, you know, you got a computer thing here, and sure, and it's proof that there's an order. So at the end at the end of the night, the managers would have to count down the drawers, and right. if there's a discrepancy. That's it. Yeah, but this this girl did this for a while, from what I heard. Yeah, and the drawers were zeroed out because there was no. Yeah, no, items d- 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 in. it didn't. Yeah, no, it didn't. It didn't. It a- didn't mess affect with the drawers. The, no, it didn't affect the drawer. her, yeah. her, her, her the money inside her drawers. ha. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I can't even believe I said oh, that. Oh, it took me a second there. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, scams and schemes. We got more of them that are all real. And if you want to jump in, 312 is It's Rob on WGN. Hi, Rob.
0: How you doing, Nick? Uh, yeah, what's up? Love this program, man. I'm, erp, erp, I'm up late at night listening to you.
1: Well, I appreciate you know,
0: it. One uh, scam that I fell for when I uh, first fell in love with DJing uh, my father told me, don't fall for Dj battle scams what the scam is all the djs come together to battle, to find out who's who's the best and the uh, the uh it was it was related to a a college that I, I was popular I, I knew uh. What happened was me and my buddy, we got some albums together and some, and our needles and we went to participate in a DJ battle and they had already had the, uh, the winner picked out. And, uh, we got, for our, 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 our work that we did, we call it work. We got, uh, some suckers. And on the way uh, back to the L with our records, we got beat up.
1: <laughs> that doesn't sound like a good night, Rob. It did. It did not.
0: It was a good, not a good night at all. Yeah, and I, I still remember that. So whenever, whenever people say, uh, and this was in 1982, whenever people say they got a DJ battle going on, I tell the DJs don't fall for DJ battle scams because the only people that really benefit are the promoter. Right. Right. Yeah, Yeah,
1: that sounds like a scam. That sounds like a scam right there. I'm sorry that happened to you, Rob. Uh, Thanks for the call. 312-981-7200. Thank you, Rob. Um, We're talking about real scams and real schemes uh, that are out there. And we've got this article that I'm still going through. Some of these are unbelievable. i got to say, some of these, you can't believe that people fell for it. You know? You can't. Uh, here's Larry on WGN. We're talking schemes. Hi, Larry.
11: Hi, there. Yeah. This about 35 years ago. I worked for a major rental car company at uh, the big airport in Chicago. And parents used to, um, they used to rent cars for their sons and daughters to go to the uh, senior prom. Well, upon returning the car plenty of times, other fellows and I used to meet the, the uh, car renters uh, at the entry gate. Yeah. Would ask if they had um, gassed up and do they have the receipt to prove it. Right. At the, at the time, that car company was charging out like $2.50 a gallon when you could buy it down the street for $0.59, cents a gallon. So we used to always tell, you know, these are usually young kids whose parents rented the car for them. Okay, hey, give me um five or ten dollars, I'll write it on, on the ticket that the car came back full. Otherwise, um they're gonna charge you, you know, two fifty a gallon and then that comes up to be a whole lot of money. Right. But we did this for quite a few days because the car company that I had worked for had twenty five hundred cars on their lot at a Chicago O'Hare. Yeah. Okay, then somebody starts getting greedy. One guy got busted. Management cracked down on all of us. But we used to go home just like a bartender with his or her tips. We used to go home overstuffed pockets. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then to make it even worse, I had another job where uh, I worked for a CTA in the accounting room. And guys used to have used to chew gum, put it on the bottom of their shoes. <laughs> Uh, that one, a couple of my co-workers wound up getting arrested for.
1: Yeah. All right. Okay, Larry, take it easy. Have a good night. All right. I don't know what the statute of limitations is with all these callers calling in saying that they're scamming people. You sure you want to you sure you come on the air on a 50,000-watt radio station that reaches 36 states <laughs> and admit to the, some of these scams that you actually did? I was just talking about some schemes and scams that maybe... Happened to you or some famous ones that you remember from uh, the news or pop culture or something along those lines. So, all right. <laughs> uh, famous schemes and scams. I got a, a bunch more stories here. Some of them are really hard to believe that people would fall for it. Uh, there are a lot of gullible, gullible people out there. So three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. That's our number. If you would like to join us, the phone lines are open for more scheme and scam conversations here on 720 WGN, here till 4 o'clock, and then uh, we'll head over to Bradley Place for some uh, early morning news from the TV side here on WGN. Right now, let's get into the newsroom. Nick DiGilio on 720 WGN, live in the Skyline studio, here till 4 o'clock. 4 o'clock, stay tuned, because we head over to Bradley Place for the TV side of WGN, get some early morning news from that great team. And then your morning drive starts at 5 with the one and only Bob Surratt, right here on 720 WGN. Talking about some actual scams and schemes that uh, people uh, actually made money on, and some real uh, scams that maybe you remember. Uh, 312-981-7200. Here's Kitty on WGN. Go ahead, Kitty.
14: Oh, yes, good morning. Uh, well, this is a scam, you know, to you know lose weight. And uh, they send you a pair of plastic shorts. You have to have a canister vacuum cleaner, and you disconnect the hose, put the hose on there, turn it on. It's supposed to make you lose weight real quick. Of course, it didn't work.
1: Yeah, no, I remember that. And I remember, I remember. Do you that. remember that one? I do. Yes, I do.
14: Oh. Real quick, another one. Another one, they sent you one of those plastic, uh, like, sweatsuits, and you make sure the water in the bathtub is really hot, and you put in two blue tablets, and it's supposed to make you lose weight. Do you remember that one?
1: I do not remember that.
14: Oh, yeah. Yeah. But it's amazing how you can get scammed, and you're so innocent. I think women fall for these scams more than men, don't you think so?
1: I don't know. I don't kind know. Of, Not sure uh, of it. <laughs> All right, kitty, thanks. I listen
14: to you listen every day. Have a good day now.
1: All right, take care. Yeah. I mean, you know, so many people want to lose weight mm-hmm. and there are so many, so many you know schemes and yeah, diets and plans that don't work that you know, that claim mm. to to you know, to be to be working. Yeah, my cousin was in a pyramid scheme surrounding that had to do with like these wraps that you'd put on around yeah, your body. That was, that was a bit, I remember, I, I remember those things were big. I, I gave her such a hard time about it and she just wouldn't hear me. I was just like, no, you're in a pyramid scheme. You're, that's, you're selling a pyramid scheme right now. Yeah. So it goes on a pyramid scheme. It's was like, oh really? How many people do you have below you? How many people below them? Yeah. It's, it's terrible. Cause it pray. She just needed a job. She just needed yeah. money. Yeah. And that's why I felt bad. I wasn't mad at her. I just felt bad. Yeah um here's a. let's see here is um mary on wgn hi mary hi, hi.
13: Nick, how are you i'm okay this game is i think it's been around the country i've heard for two or three years it's really sad though and i've gotten the call two or three times where a young lad as you know says grandma and if you're you know if you are a grandma you'll probably say yeah and they said they have this really sad scratchy voice and they go i I was on vacation in Canada, and I got in an accident, and I was in the hospital, and I lost all my money. And he says, "I don't want to come home," you know. And they asked him to send money, and I think there's probably a lot of sad senior citizens that probably send money.
1: Yeah, but would they not recognize? Would they not recognize the voice not being their grandkid?
13: Well, it was. Fun. I think if you just fall into it, you don't think. But the first time it happened to me, you know. I said, "Who is this?" And he said, "Michael." I said, "I don't have a grandson named Michael." Goodbye.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's but, a good, that's a good thing a to do. Back. Ask.
13: I had one about a month ago that called me, and I stopped at the end and I said, "Can I ask you something?" And he says, "What?" And I said, "Do you have a grandma?" And he said, "Yeah." And I said, "How would you feel if somebody called your grandma and scammed, you know yeah. thousands of dollars out of her bank?" But yeah. it's it's really sad.
1: Yeah, it is. Okay, there's
13: probably a lot of seniors that fall for that. Yeah.
1: Know? Okay, thanks, Mary. They loved Thanks. Bye-bye. Right. Bye. 312-981-7200. Yeah, these, these, uh, these scammers, they basically they have no conscience. So, uh, let's see. Here's Will on WGN. Go ahead, Will.
9: Yeah, hi there. Um, story from when I was a kid. My dad was a lawyer for an insurance company in Massachusetts. And he had a man who came and worked for him for a while, worked with him for a while. And then one day, the guy just stopped showing up. Well, a few days later... The FBI showed up, and uh, it turned out this man was suspected of being D.B. Cooper.
1: Oh, come on, really? Yeah. Uh, Oh, man. Uh, For those young people out there, uh, uh, D.B. Cooper, do you you know the legend of D.B. Cooper, Tom? Yeah, he's that dude who jumped out of a plane. He stole a bunch of money. Stole stole a a bunch of of money and jumped out of a plane. (laughs) Nobody was ever able to find him. That's amazing. The guy was l- 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 so. What happened?
9: You know, uh, they never found that particular guy. Um, and this was probably before it was a really big deal, even before I think the the movie came out, right? D. B., the Pursuit of DB Cooper, yeah, that movie. So my dad wound up getting some, found some books about him and stuff like that, which I found around the house, and that's how I learned about DB Cooper. Was I read the books that we had?
1: Yeah, I mean, and then the movie was with Treat Williams, if I remember correctly. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and I remember. I remember. I enjoyed the movie. Um, I, I mean, it was a long time ago. You know, I think it, it was in the was. late seventies. I think is when that movie mm-hmm. came out, or early eighties. But uh, yeah, that's crazy though. They, they, the FBI shows up and says, "Hey, that might have been DB Cooper."
9: Yeah, uh, that was that was uh, yeah basically yes. That's what wow, that's
1: crazy. Wow, that's a that's a that's a that's a weird and great story. Will, thank you for the call. Okay, thank you. Right. You're welcome. DB Cooper might have been working with his dad. Ah, jeez! Yeah, that's that's a that's a that's a legendary story right there. The whole DB Cooper thing. I wonder what ever happened to him. Jumps out of a plane. You know, authorities are searching everywhere for him and just completely disappears. So, yeah, it's a it's an interesting story. Tom, have you ever seen um the Treat Williams movie, The Pursuit of DB Cooper? I have not. It's pretty good. I haven't seen it in a long time. I remember liking it, though. Better or worse than Deep Rising?
8: Also oh, it's, it's not It's not as good as Deep
1: Rising. All right, cool. I mean, Deep. But, uh, come on, Deep Rising? What sure. Are we, what are we talking about here? <laughs> Speaking of Deep Rising, we got to get our friend Kevin J. O'Connor back on. Yeah, we'll see. I'll give him a call, see if he's got I mean, obviously, he's not, I don't think it, they're working right now. Nah. But uh, Kevin's a great guy. He's fantastic in Deep Rising. He's hilarious in Deep Rising. So. <laughs> what is that? The girl from Epanema. Yeah, no, I, that, that movie's great. That was one of those movies, that, the, another one, you know, we talked about this in the past, movies that completely surprise you. I expected nothing from that movie, and I I thought it was so entertaining. And, you know, I mean, you're with me on this. We love big monster movies. Sure. And I was like, okay, this could be cool, and then I ended up just loving it. There's There's a lot of that guys in that movie. Yes, there are. Like, not to downplay to Well, downplay Kevin's Kev- one of them, yeah. Yeah, Kevin's a total that guy. Oh, no, he admits it. When yeah. I've talked to Kevin, he's like, yeah, people don't know my name. They'll look at me and go, hey, weren't you, you were in that one movie? <laughs> well, <laughs> I would just scream, Benny! Yeah. Betty, well, li- baby! Listen, the next time we talk to Kevin, the next time you talk to Kevin, get him to tell you some There Will Be Blood stories, because he's got some unbelievable stories about not just working with P.T. Anderson, but the insanity of Daniel Day-Lewis. And how intense and unbelievable he is, and how how it's it's crazy to work with him. Also, he's got some not flattering uh, stories about Joaquin Phoenix when he was in The Master. Um, and I was not surprised by those stories. And you know the stories of of how he behaved on the set of Joker too. He's one of those. He's one of those guys. He's one of those actors. You know. Method and so is uh what's his wh- what's his face uh, Jordan Catalano? Oh yeah. Uh, what the hell's his name? Jordan Catalano. <laughs> who cares his name is Jordan him. Catalano. It's uh, it's, uh, I don't know. Jordan Catalano. You, you can keep saying Jordan Catalano to me. I'm not going to suddenly remember who I he can't, is. I can't remember. He was in know? Thirty Seconds to Mars. He was in Requiem for a Dream, Blade Runner 2049. He played Jordan Catalano. I can't believe I'm blanking Jared on Jared Leto. There it is, Jared Leto. He's another one that was uh, on the on the set of Blade Runner. He was like, he did some terrible things on the set of Blade Runner. So, all right, uh, let's see. We're talking about scams here. I have a picture pinned <laughs> to
4: my wall. Uh, An image of you
10: and of me. And we're laughing with love at it all Look at our life now
1: mm-hmm. Hello, Nick Degilio here on 720 WGN Live in the Skyline studio Here till 4 o'clock We're uh, wrapping up the show And uh, lots of people are calling in uh, Remembering some scams and schemes That were very popular and uh, I've got a bunch of them uh, here in this article, but we've got a bunch of people on the phone who want to share their thoughts as too. So here's Robert on WG, and hi Robert. Hey Nick, how are you? All right, what's up?
10: Hey, a uh, long time ago, my brother used to work at a drive-in theater out near Dixon, Illinois, and uh, he used to uh, take the admissions going in, and people he'd give them. A- ticket stub and then people would throw them out the window and he would walk down the drive and pick the stubs back up and resell them that way when people asked if they had a ticket stub they had them, but he would
1: he would then pocket some money <laughs> oh wow Oh, well, that's a scam you said it was in it, it was in dixon illinois yeah the drive-in theater is still open actually. well Not is the that, that the, it's it's the midway right yes yeah that's yep. my, my my friends mike and Mia occurs run that drive-in now yep
10: Yep, this was a long time ago, back in yeah. the late 70s, early 80s.
1: Yeah, yeah, but they run, his, they, his they, buddies, that's, my, fr- my friends run that drive in. Uh, his, bu- his buddies would come through and they
10: would suspect something and they'd go up and ask him for their ticket stub and they would always have one, so yeah. he never
1: got oh, caught. There's a scam for you right there. All right, Robert, thanks. <laughs> All right, later. Yeah. Midway Drive In, by the way, showing Bill and Ted face the music this weekend, and Weird Science. That's the second feature. <laughs> I'm going to watch Bill and Ted this weekend. No question about it. I'll throw down the $20. Oh yeah. No, I there's no doubt. The first one came this the second one came out in 1991. It's been that long. let mm-hmm. Let's wait almost 30 years to make the sequel. So, uh let's see. Here's uh Karen on WGN. Hi Karen. Hi. Hi.
12: Uh, So mine was just one of those Facebook GoFundMe um, things. Uh, This young college guy was expecting to win some kind of beer prize and didn't get it. And so he started GoFundMe page saying, please, I need my beer.
1: Please, I need my beer?
12: Yeah, because he didn't get it. In his uh, uh, contest that he expected to win. Uh huh. So he put a GoFundMe out there. I need my beer.
1: Did he make any money?
12: He, uh, he made tens of thousands of dollars. You
1: gotta be kidding me.
12: Paid off his school bills and everything.
1: Did he get beer? Yeah. Uh huh. Well, all right. He
12: gave some away to charities too. Beer? No, the money. Oh, okay. All right, Karen. He didn't need for his own system.
1: All right. Thanks, Karen.
12: Uh-huh. Uh,
1: well, you know, Tom, he's a college student. Of course he needs his beer. Yeah, I can confirm. That's uh, <laughs> that's part of the diet. You know, they uh, when you're in college... Your intestinal system, you know, it kind of all changes where you're capable of running on nothing but ramen noodles and light beer. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing what biology can teach us about people between the ages of about 18 and 23. I've told you about uh, when we would go down to Champaign, because I had friends who went to school in Champaign, we'd just go down for the weekend and get drunk. And there was a bar... I'm trying to remember the name of it. It was on Green Street, and it was downstairs. You had to go downstairs, so it was like in a basement kind of thing. Uh, and they had uh 10-cent beer night or quarter beer night. It might have been a qu- quarter beer night, and it was just insane, just insane. Just college students getting completely ripped. The floors were all wet. It was just crazy. This was also the bar. Maybe someone can remember the name of the bar. If you lived in Champagne or you went to school in Champagne, I think it's closed now. But at midnight every night, uh, the entire they would play American Pie and the entire bar would sing it. Which was a nightmare because I can't stand that song. But that was the tradition. Every night at midnight, American Pie. And they would have like quarter beer night or something and everybody would just be ripped. I mean just completely annihilated. Blethered. Like wet tables. The floors were always wet. They served all the beer in empty in in uh, pl- plastic cups, obviously. Plastic cups strewn everywhere. I can't remember the name of the bar. It's going to drive me crazy. Maybe somebody knows. Uh, American Pie. They sang it every night at midnight in this bar. It was a downstairs bar. It was on Green Street in uh, in Champagne. And if someone knows the uh, the name of the bar, three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. All right, here's Tony on WGN. Go ahead, Tony.
7: Hey, how you doing, Nick? All right. I've got a uh, scam and a scheme for you this morning. All so right. The scam. The scam. Uh, people were calling random hotels. They would talk to the front desk and say, "Hey, patch me through to room two hundred three or whatever random room." Uh, they would they would patch it through, and then that uh, caller would act as the hotel and say hey, this is the front desk, your credit card didn't go through, can you give me that number? Oh,
1: sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
7: And I I thought, uh, I I made sure to tell my mom about that one. She travels a lot, and, um, you know, I thought that's one, you always hear of of scams that you go, how could anybody fall for that? Well, I could see somebody
1: fall. for that Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, 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 absolutely. If someone calls and claims to be the front desk and stuff, I mean, how do you know that that's not the case? You know,
7: right? to kind of catch you off guard. Nobody ever calls the hotel room phone, you right? Know? So, right, right. Wow. So I, I thought I'd throw that one out there. And then as a scheme, uh, back in the pre-computer days, um, I knew a guy that uh, everything was it was a service business, and they um, everything was carbon copies. So he wrote on the top copy, um, which was the store copy with a pen that had no ink in it, so it pushed through the carbon oh, copy. right. And he knew all the totals and everything off the top of his head, and then he would uh, give the customer a receipt that said one total, and then he'd go back and rewrite the original and then pocket the difference in cash. Oh, wow. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's scandalous what people do. Huh? Yeah, it
1: is. Okay, Tony, thank you, buddy. Uh, thanks, Nick. All right, take, take care. care. Uh, John on WGN. Go ahead, John.
9: Uh, Nick, you were talking about Saturday Night Fever. Did you know that uh, there were a lot of counterfeit copies of that record available? No, I didn't. Uh, there was such a demand for it that the mafia got in on it. There's a publication called Goldmine, and they, they uh, were analyzing record labels and stuff, and they said that the, the mafia got into uh, counterfeiting the record. Um, also, you know. Saturday Night Fever was released before it was a video craze. Yeah. Well, do you think that uh, it did better in video after it came out?
1: I, I'm sure it did well in video. It's a it's a classic movie. I mean, you know, uh, and and when video tapes became popular in the early 80s, I'm sure Saturday Night Fever was right near the top in terms of sales and rentals. No doubt in my mind.
8: Uh, Amazon
9: RSO, which was owned by Robert Stewart, right. who right. Uh, managed. Uh, Cream and all that, and, and I, I've heard Clapton was kind of mad because he thought that uh, Saywood was throwing more time to disco than he was their career. Well,
1: do you know what? He made a lot of money, so you know I don't yeah, know why he, made, he, a he made a ton of money
9: in uh, Greece. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Okay, this was released before there was video, too.
1: Yeah, that's right. Nineteen seventy-eight. Okay, John. Thanks. Okay. All right. Greece, man. Now they have the, the every once in a while at the music box they do the Grease sing along. Where well, you can sing along with Greece, yeah, because that's what I want to spend my Friday night doing—singing along with a bunch of people to Greece. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. You don't even need to make it. It doesn't even need to be the sing along version. They'll just sing. They'll just sing it. Yeah. I find that to be incredibly annoying. I've not seen Greece in years. You know, it's—I mean, I liked it. I didn't love it's, it. It's, I, I liked it. It's good. You know, it's good. It's Greece. It's Greece. You know, what's there to say about Greece? It's a nice place. What, Greece? (laughs) Jeez. Oh, boy. I've never been there. Ask Vivian about it. Yeah, I will. I will. I'll be like... (laughs) It's nothing like the movie. No. Greece. Not at all. (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) All right, here's one. I literally saw this on GoFundMe. Send me and my family to Disneyland because my children need this experience and we are poor. I think they were asking for $10,000 for a family of four. The kicker was she lived in the U.K. and could have gone to Paris Disneyland, but she was asking for triple the money so that they can go to the one in America, and there was no explanation as to why. Don't fall for the scams, man. You know what I'm talking about? Hey, uh, Tom, besides our uh, regular uh, Friday features, what's happening on the show? We're going to bring back a favorite segment of mine, Ask Dr. Nick. Oh, oh boy. (laughs) All right. All right, Ask Dr. Nick. That's part of uh, the regular features as well on the Friday Night Nick DiGilio show. Stay tuned right now. Uh, you got some great radio coming up. We're going to head over to the TV side of WGN for some early morning news from that great team. And then Bob Surratt has your morning drive. At 5. All right, let's go to
4: the news.